All right, welcome back to the podcast. This is your host, Alex Howell, and today we had back on from uh, episode six, Corey Gallagher, and Corey is currently the U.S. Social Science freshman class co-dean weathercock instructor for the Barstow School, which is one of the oldest private schools in the Kansas City area. He has been an instructor at uh, several private high schools in the Kansas City area, as well as uh, some universities. He is currently completing his Ph.D. in American Cultural History from the University of Missouri in Columbia. And again, as with last episode, uh, we don't get quite as crazy with this one, but there is a little bit of uh, a little bit of friendly banter back and forth. But uh, that was kept at a minimum this time. Um, we had a great conversation again. I sent Corey a message a couple of weeks ago and said I'd like to debate with you uh, some different things, but especially uh, whether or not Thomas Jefferson was the a-hole that I kind of made him sound like in the last episode, and uh, we had a few other things to discuss as well. Uh, again, great episode. Corey's a great friend of mine. He's amazing to listen to, and he is without question a guy that you can just go sit down, have a drink with, ask him a single question, and he will carry your conversation from there. So I hope you guys enjoy, and have a great week. Thanks. Bye. All right, cool. We're on. Yeah. <laughs> After cool. that fun conversation. Yeah. We should have right. recorded that. Yep, just to make sure you go back to Pittsburgh, boys and girls. That's where you want to be. That's where, <laughs> that's, where all the, that's where all the fun times happen. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I asked you this at the, uh, at the get-together at the lake the other day, but how is it to have your summer off and to go like 20 different places in the summer? Man, it was pretty epic. Yeah. Uh, expensive, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's been really really nice. To awesome. We're off and just sort of sit around and you know work on a couple projects and get some yard work done and you know go visit a couple different places. So yeah. it's been pretty sweet. I like how you threw the yard work in there. Like yeah, I just got a really boring life. Just, just nothing. Yeah, nothing just, much going on with me. Just, just a crazy <laughs> Saturday, you know. <laughs> Might go to Bed Bath and Beyond. Uh huh. Absolutely. <laughs> what? Um. So when you sent, so when I sent you the message about coming on the podcast, I had like yeah. five different things. Oh right. I don't want to deal with the first one yet because uh, you haven't had enough beer. Because I haven't had enough beer, and I'll get I'll start getting lippy. But um, there was one. Oh yeah, how fucking awesome was Teddy Roosevelt? Oh yeah. <laughs> that was. When I read that, which, by the way, thank you for recommending that, but yeah. when I read that series of books, it was just like, that's one of my favorite people now. Yeah, absolutely. He's completely, totally insane, but... Totally insane. Yeah. I think the story I always tell, just to kind of describe him, because he's so hard to describe, because like in 60 years, he put in, put in what it takes, like w most people would get in like four lifetimes. Sure. But it's just the day that he decided, like, yeah, that's the Matterhorn, I'm going to go climb it. Yeah. Oh, right. right yeah. <laughs> or like my, my favorite is the day that, uh, you know, his his wife died in childbirth and his mother yep. died on the same day. Yeah. And um, when he had found out that they were both dead, he gave himself 10 minutes to cry. And he went in his room and he cried for 10 minutes and then he packed up his bags. And that's when he went out west. Yeah. Because he felt like his reaction to that was too emotional. <laughs> his, his manliness was uh, in question by him. 
so he, he decided that he needed to go and really prove to himself that he was, in fact, a man. And that's when he became a cowboy. Yeah. Which which is interesting because this is, of course, in, you know, one of these moments that's sort of, you know, when it comes to Roosevelt, it, it's sort of celebrated. You know, there's mm-hmm. this guy facing personal tragedy and he's going to go help tame the West. Yeah. Right. But nobody, <laughs> nobody ever asks. I've often wondered. Nobody ever says, like, what about the kid? Because the kid didn't die in childbirth, so he just leaves this kid behind. And I think he had other kids at that point, too. I think he just had the one at that time. Or was it just the one? Yeah, I can't can't remember. But it's like, what what, what did you you just, like, hey, Aunt June, watch my kid. Yeah, here's... I got 90% of the inheritance from our dad, what? so here's, here's some money. Take right, care of my here's child. some money. Take care of my kid. Yeah, it's so, you know. Yeah. Do you think it's even possible to do something like that right now? Like just to no. pack up and head out west? Because, I mean, the thing that is surprising to me is, like, he did have enough of an inheritance from his father mm-hmm. to go out west and buy land and buy a house. Right. And Buy cattle. Buy cattle yeah. and invest out there. I mean, he was a shitty investor. Oh, sure. Yeah. Brilliant politician, Absolutely. terrible investor. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it, you know, the, that's a good question in and of itself because, you know, this is it, – it's funny, actually, because at – like, literally just before this mm-hmm. or, or just after this, yeah, I think he does this in, like, 1880. Mm-hmm. And in 1890 – Four, I want to say it is mm-hmm. 92, 93, 94, somewhere right around there. At the same time that there's the Chicago World's Fair that's happening in Chicago, obviously, <laughs> um, the American Historical Association holds their annual conference and they hold it in Chicago, sort of in conjunction with the World's Fair. And, you know, normally these things are like totally pointless and ridiculous. Yeah. And anybody who's ever been to a, a historian's conference knows that we're not talking about the most interesting stuff ever. <laughs> But at this particular one, something really interesting happens, which is that a historian gives a paper there, um, which, by the way, is still like the way that we do it today. Like if you go to a history conference, you like literally read a paper out loud to the people who are watching, um, which is very awkward to just read out loud for a half hour. But anyways, so Frederick Jackson Turner, who's the first real American historian, Mm -hmm. um, he's like almost completely trained in America, which is unheard of at that point. Anyways, he gives this paper. And basically what he's trying to do is explain what makes America unique. And what prompts this is that in 1890, the federal government undertook the census, and the results start coming out around 1892. And one of the results of that census is that there is no longer any unbroken line of frontier. Oh, Interesting. So there, there are places that are wild, yeah, right? There are right. places that are uninhabited, you know, I mean, uninhabited, quote unquote, which yeah. means no white people live here. Yeah. And there, there are still dangerous, wild places, right? But you can no longer look at a map and draw a line and say this side's the frontier and this side isn't. Oh. And so that prompts Frederick Jackson Turner to sort of go on this historical exploration of the importance of the frontier in American life and to American culture. And basically the argument that he makes is that it's, it's so central to what America is and how American culture has developed that we're actually pretty screwed that America is going to start to falter as a country, as a nation, as a culture, because no longer will we be able to have that experience. And, 
that gets used in all sorts of weird ways, right? To, you know, propel, you know, a brief moment of American imperialism in the traditional way in the 1890s and mm-hmm. 1900. Um, but there is something in that that I think is sort of fundamentally true if you can boil out the racist aspect of right. it, right? Which is that that we are sort of struggling, I think, in the modern world. And this is something Roosevelt talked about, right? And I don't actually know that we've resolved this conflict where th- it's sort of difficult for men to perform masculinity, mm-hmm. especially when we're talking about in a non-toxic way. Right. Right. So, so like that idea of, I'm really emotionally upset. I'm going to move out to the West. I'm going to start a cattle ranch. I'm going to prove that I'm a man mm-hmm. by being in this wild, dangerous place and making something of myself. W- where do you go today for that? And really, when he did it, mm-hmm. even it was sort of iffy as to where you went because that that line of frontier had already it really had already closed, right. even though people didn't quite realize it. Yeah. So he goes to I can't remember one of the Dakotas. No, I think it was I, think, I thought it was north, but maybe not. Might be north. Might be I don't know. Yeah. Is it really like a the difference? edge of the Badlands or something? Right. Like that. Yeah, yeah. He's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Right. And he, he goes and has this this experience, right? But mm-hmm. where do you have that today? I well, and for the length of time that he does, I mean, he's out there for a long time. Yeah, about ten years was it? Something like that. Eight I to get, ten years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know he was back and forth a bit, but I mean, he yeah came, went right back out. Yeah, absolutely. But, but it, to me, it was just amazing because, like, or it is amazing to think that he was out there for that long, and like. You see, like one of the guys that I follow on Instagram is uh, Cameron Haynes or Cam Haynes. He's a bow hunter. Oh, okay, sure. And so he'll go out into Montana or you know areas in Canada or you know Wyoming, wherever, wherever he can find an animal to shoot and kill. <laughs> yeah, but, right. But he really like he's kind of known for hunting elk. And so he'll go and he like you know will chase these elk up mountains and camp out and you know they. They take food in, but then they have to, like, you know, basically once they kill the animal, they have to take all the meat out there because they're not carrying the right. thing out. And they drag it back to their coolers. But at the same time, you think about it, it's like you could go several miles in, mm. but you're coming back out. You're not living out there. No. Like, you're there no. for a week. A week. Maybe two. I mean, the closest thing I can think of to that, and I, it's not com- it's not comparable, but is – um is the Appalachian Trail. Mm-hmm. Like, you go six months. Right. You're on the Appalachian Trail for six months. It like, starts in Georgia, ends in Maine, mm-hmm. and you camp out, and you have food and that kind of thing. But even along the trail, there are stops. Right. You know, there's a place halfway through because you have to buy new shoes every time. <laughs> you, like, it's true. Like, your shoes will wear out from walking every oh, single sure, day. Oh, sure, sure. So, but you think about that. It's like, that's really the only thing. And even at that point, that's still a finite amount of time. Right. Like, you're probably not pulling to the side and throwing up a shack. No, no, you're not living out there unless you're just giving up on the walking part. You you might seem like a good idea halfway through. Yeah, which will probably be me after like three days. No, (laughs) no, forget that. I'll just, I'm going to build a shack. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that's, that's honestly the only thing I can think of. And like you said, I mean, I'm sure there are areas. Yeah. I mean, you can go down to the Amazon and enjoy that experience. And there still are areas in America, you know, like, um, you know, you think like some of the like Moab, yeah, Moab, 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 
Like Moab, you know, mm-hmm. like you can go down there and be in the middle, but you're on federal land. You can't like live there. Right. You know, and I mean, certainly there are places where it's, um, you know, where, where there is real wilderness yeah. that you could, could go and live. But I think that idea of, I'm going to go to the West and show how big of a man I am mm-hmm. has really kind of largely been lost. Do you feel like it's kind of progressed even more quickly with every with so many jobs being like internet based? Well, you know, and the ironic thing is about that that yeah. question is that that was the thing that all these guys were revolting against yeah. in the eighteen eighties. Hmm. So you know, if you go back a generation before them, their dads primarily owned their own businesses. Even right. when you see industrialization start, it really is like small factories, right? Mm-hmm. Where so where one dude would be in charge, right? But by the time you get to 1885, we're starting to talk about really super complex conglomerates of mm-hmm. corporations. And now the idea that you would actually be in charge is insane. Yeah. Even the guy in charge really isn't in charge. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about really complex organizations, right? So, so in the 1880s and 1890s, you have men like Roosevelt who are feeling this, they, call it a crisis of masculinity yeah and a lot of that is directly related to the fact that they had lost some economic freedom mm-hmm. that they were no longer able to call their own shots that that idea of being able to carve out your own space and economic stability in america had really become reliant on your ability to integrate into the corporate system yeah so yeah we i mean we just keep feeling new versions of that like right. silicon valley for example Silicon Valley is one of the most interesting places in the world to me because of one, access to capital is incredible. Mm-hmm. Like I know that we just totally took a left turn, but um, I, I, when I was trying to get as involved as I could be in just like learning and understanding Kansas City's like tech mm-hmm. revolution, sure, I was amazed at some of the people that would speak and they would talk about being in California. They talk about being in Silicon Valley. Like, of course, rent's high. Of course, mm-hmm. property values are high. I can go to Silicon Valley, and if I have an idea, I can get money. Mm-hmm. Here, yeah. you can't do that. No. I mean, it's it's nothing like that. You have to have a proven business model, and most of the time, you have to be past income right? in order to even be yeah. looked at. We're out there. It's like, hey, I've got this idea for a widget. Okay, here's some right. money to build it, but I own a significant portion of this now. Right. And what... It's, it's an amazing thing because whenever I think about something like that, I normally think New York, mm-hmm. like access to capital because that's where it's such a major banking center and trade center. Silicon Valley's taken that over and it's internet based, so it's worldwide. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it is. Incre- and it, it is interesting. Some of the companies that have started there, raised money there, mm-hmm. and then moved to other places. Yeah. Like that's also kind of an interesting phenomenon. It doesn't, it's not, you know, large scale or anything right but it is sort of interesting the way that that has happened but yeah. yeah i mean you're absolutely right the amount of money that gets floated around in silicon valley is insane and in a lot of ways <clears throat> you know if you think about it sort of like marx's big criticism of capitalism was that you can make money by doing nothing yeah by simply owning real estate or investing money you can make more money and that just creates a circular problem in which the people at the bottom are never able to get access to that and always remain at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And now that's taken one more leap where it's, it's not even something tangible. Yeah. 
right? It's not money that you invested. I mean, it is, but it's not rent. It's not property. It's literally something that exists on a computer and a computer only. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's zeros and ones that people have been able to transfer into millions of dollars. Billions of dollars. Billions of dollars. Billions of dollars. Yeah, well, and the biggest one that I think about, because it happened like right as I was getting into that, but I remember, and it obviously was a great investment, but I remember when Facebook bought Instagram for a billion dollars. Yeah, that's insane. I was just like, it was 10 people in a program, Mm -hmm. and now they have a billion dollars. And like, I don't get it. I think this is probably like a sign that I'm getting old. <laughs> like, I have an Instagram account. I don't think I ever really look at it or do anything with it. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, I don't, you post pictures. Yeah. Like, how is that worth a billion dollars? I know. That's insane. Yeah, I know. I don't get it. Well, and it's grown up so much since then. I mean, it's probably 30 times, you know, at this point what they bought it for. But they also had the capabilities of Facebook and right. Instagram. It would have been really tough to scale that model without Facebook. Sure, sure. But just the complete and total integration, I really feel like it today our society is, I mean, like the term fake news gets thrown mm-hmm. around so much right now that it's annoying. Mm-hmm. But our society really does seem to be like just fake. Yeah, it's, it's completely. Because it's online, you can show that it's anything. Right. And so, you know, when somebody gives real value, it's almost like uh, – Really? Are you? Mm-hmm. Is this real? Because nobody else is telling me the truth. I saw something the other day. It was like some, some like millionaire or billionaire, or whatever he is, has a private jet. And when it's sitting like at whatever airport he's near, whatever airport mm-hmm. he's in, he will basically rent it out for significant money, but not private jet money. But he'll rent it out to people for like five minutes to go in there and take pictures so they can put it on their Instagram account like they're on a private jet. Yeah, that's insane. Isn't that weird? That is so weird. It's like the because we're we have so little communication with our fellow humans, we actually now feel like we have to show them that we're better. We have to show them that our lifestyle is grand, mm-hmm. even when it's not. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's uh it's interesting all the studies that have been done about like um how social media impacts you yeah like apparently like i remember one i saw where it said if you're actively posting mm-hmm. right then social media becomes a uh, positive in your for your mental health yeah if all you do is scroll and observe then it's a oh. negative because all you do is focus on, on other the people. things that you don't have and yeah. how other people's lives are better than yours yeah but that's you know think of that's that's dangerous yeah yeah, you know, you're sitting alone looking at yeah. people who you think have more than you, and most of them probably don't. Right. I mean, some of the richest, like I think about somebody like Chris Pratt, posts pictures of like him cutting down trees. Mm-hmm. It's like because he doesn't have to. Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Got to keep up that workout routine. Exactly. Otherwise. But if you see another, you know, 22 year old or even another, you know, 17 year old that's, you know, looks like they're in a private jet, but they just paid somebody, you know, 50 bucks to sit in it, which is insane. Yeah. But you know, if you see that though, I can see where if you're scrolling, you're just like, why don't why don't I have why that? don't I have a private jet? Yeah, this yeah, it's awful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it it's you know it's a real danger to our culture. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I always think of whenever I see the Kardashians. Yeah. I think of in um, Renaissance Italy, a number of the city states passed laws against. Um, the purchasing of luxury. So basically they capped the amount of luxury goods that you could consume each year. 
so that this actually didn't become a problem. So the yeah. class difference was not so completely evident yeah. in your house and the things that you wore. Um, and, and breaking those laws would get you burned at the stake. Oh, shit. Um, because, because it was that serious, <laughs> yeah. you know. And that's that's kind of where, you know, you think about the Kardashians, for example, who are They would have been burned years ago. They would have been burned years and years and years ago. <laughs> um, you know, who've, who've basically been able to create this image of extreme wealth, mm-hmm. which they now have. But when they created that image, they did not have. You know, they certainly were wealthy. They were well off. Yeah. But they were not anything like what they are now. No. And and they've made all this money now by peddling access to that lifestyle through these different brands that they've created. Yeah. And the fact that people <laughs> will actually buy this shit yeah. is completely insane to me. Well, especially like like Kanye's white T-shirt that was $400. Like, I'm happy that you spent $400 sure. on that because you're an idiot. Right. It's a white T-shirt. Like, it's nothing special. But I... <laughs> I won't say who I was telling this to the other day, but uh, we, were, for some reason, that got brought up, the Kardashians mm-hmm. and their whole situation. Yeah. And I, honest to God, like, this is being serious. I think Ray J needs a cut of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he does. <laughs> <laughs> Ray J is the one who made that all happen. Uh-huh. Right? Like, like, never has anybody uh, ever made more money from not doing sex well. Yeah. Like, I don't know. If, I don't know if you've ever actually seen no, the video. No, I've never seen it. But yeah, yeah. I've seen it. let me just put say, Ray J is definitely doing all the work. <laughs> A certain somebody is just laying there, and, and he got screwed. He got totally because now screwed. He has zero Kardashian money, even though that's, he fucking caused the whole thing. That's right. That drives me. At, it, like it's a hilarious argument, but if somebody, if I was on the jury. And he came through <laughs> and was like, no, 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 no. I get a 5% yeah, cut of all something. this shit. I'd be like, yeah, he does. Yeah. I would have never, like, I mean, you knew of them. I mean, obviously, everybody knew Bruce Jenner. But, like, yeah. I wouldn't, I would well, never call them a family. I mean, oh, Kardashian was on the OJ Yeah, I mean, Kardashian team, was, like, a known person. Yeah. But, I, but nobody knew him. Largely because of the OJ trial. Right? Yeah. Have you ever seen the the picture of their family, like, before enhancement oh yeah it's yeah. weird it's real weird yeah it's like, real oh, weird. okay yeah like, i don't i have zero issue with people doing whatever they want to their body to feel sure. better as long as it's not so far that it's more of a mental illness right than anything right. else but man they look way different uh yeah yeah the youngest one is the is the strangest transformation because she looks like a completely different person yeah it's it's really weird and it's not, uh, you know, I mean, yeah. they, they have an economic goal in mind and I don't want to criticize them no. for chasing the dream. Exactly. But my God, the things people will do, <laughs> do <laughs> to get what they want yeah. is pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. One thing I do kind of respect about it is they do like they don't ever admit surgery or anything like that. I don't think they say anything about it because no, they I don't can't think they do either. They can't say no because obviously they have yeah for sure but at the same time it just cracks me up when i hear somebody that's just like yeah i wish we could do that it's like you, you remember do. how this started like i've listened to like interviews with like uh gary Vyerchuk or gary mm-hmm. v and like he's had people that have like called in or sent letters emails whatever 
been like, I just don't know why I don't have as much success as Kylie Jenner. It's like, I'll tell you why. Yeah. One, Ray J. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to a sex tape. Yeah. And two, their mom is a freaking ninja. (laughs) Yeah. Well, she's a nut job, but she's good at what she does. Yeah, she She knows how to make money. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, she does. That is for sure. Yeah. That is for sure. Yeah. I I like that. Was it Kylie, the youngest one, that they came out and said that she was going to be the youngest self-made billionaire? (laughs) Like, self-made? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Self-made. Sure. Wow, Forbes. I think it was Forbes. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. It's like, really? It's Self-made. Like Trump talking about the small loan he got from his dad. <laughs> yeah. It was fourteen million dollars. Yeah. That's cool, man. You're yeah. totally self-made. Yeah. The uh, the loan with Trump cracked me up. One because it's just like yeah, a small loan of a million. Like okay, first of all, like never has anybody made a more silver spoonish comment uh, yeah, uh, in the yeah. history of the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but two, I did appreciate his dad. Like the story about. I'm sure you've heard like the casino story when he needed like to have a certain amount of assets with the casino oh, in order no, to I, keep it. So his dad walks in this. and drops. I can't remember the exact number, but it was something like his dad walked in, bought five million dollars in chips, walked out <laughs> so they could have it. <laughs> they were like, that's an illegal loan. And he's like, fucking prove it. Yeah. Well, right. What? If somebody else did that, is that an issue? It's like, well, he's your dad. Customer. Right, right. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I, I did have to appreciate that one. Like, that's that's a work of genius. But it's it was his dad that did it. So I don't I don't know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's yeah, yeah. I just thought that was hilarious. But yeah, the the small loan of a million was like, dude, come on. Well, yeah, and I think I think <laughs> reporting has recently revealed it was actually more like fourteen million, probably. But you know, it was yeah. probably something like that, right? Oh yeah, like a million cash, and then yeah, dad then bought all this other stuff and yeah, just gave you it. Get to all the him, credit, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's. Must be nice. Fuck yeah. If I had it, I wouldn't complain. Yeah, no. I would, <laughs> it would be, it'd be great. I also wouldn't talk about it. No. But, but I definitely wouldn't complain about it. No. I'll tell you what. If I had that much money, like, you could not, you couldn't pay me enough. You couldn't talk me into it enough. You could never get me to run for president. Uh, no. No. No, I don't understand why these guys do this. No. Like, it's amazing to it. me that it's just millionaires and billionaires that want that job. Yeah. Like you want that? Yeah. No. You want your whole personal life in business. Well, you notice the and good ones don't. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the ones who have half a clue. Yeah, Elon Musk not. isn't running for president. Elon Musk, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the one I, I always think of is uh, Jared Diamond, the CEO of Citibank. Oh, Jamie Diamond? Or Jamie Diamond, yeah. yeah. Who, who will everyone, Jared Diamond's an author. Um, <laughs> Jamie right. Diamond will come out every <laughs> once in a while and be like, X, Y, and Z is fucked. And. But he's not saying, and I'm running for president no. to solve this. <laughs> nope, I run Citibank, bitches. Yeah. I'm perfectly happy. <laughs> I think Jamie Diamond, he's J.P. Morgan Chase, right? Yeah, J- or, okay. yo, that's right, yep. J.P. Morgan Chase. Yeah. I just, just screwed just, that whole thing up. Yeah, they're two totally different banks. Very, very <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah, it's not like they do the exact same what, thing. Lo- lots like, of money, yeah. either way. Yeah. <laughs> Remember John Stewart when he was talking, like, this was post-recession, but still kind of feeling the aftershock. Mm-hmm. Remember, he was talking about the bankers, and he was like, so none of them have been arrested for basically breaking the earth. Right, right, <laughs> like, right. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah. yeah. What are you going to do, arrest them and throw them in jail exactly. with the black people? I mean, <laughs> that's not going to happen. No. Just buy something, donate something. Here's $100 million. I have a 1,000 of these coming to it's me like, this year. I le- there's this um, the Michael Moore movie about... Was it that one? 
I think I think it was his one about capitalism. And oh yeah, was a like, love story. Yeah, yep. yeah, and I think it was about. I think it's in this one, but don't hold me to this. Where he talks about the CEO is getting arrested, and he has like a scene in the middle of it, which is like if if cops came to arrest cops the tv show mm-hmm. came to arrest ceos the way that they arrest the average person they run <laughs> into you know so imagine mm-hmm. people jumping out of windows oh stuff, yeah you know i mean it would be crazy i mean it is interesting that we treat violent criminals so very different from those people when the actual impact of those people is significantly significantly higher yeah on our society as a whole yeah it's yeah, I mean, the individual acts are so heinous that you're just like, ooh, yeah, you have to go away for a long time. Mm-hmm. This isn't, this isn't a small thing. You would think so. Yeah. You would think so, but of course that never ends up being what happens. Right. Right. But, yeah, I mean, some of, the, some of those guys should have definitely ended up in jail because they yep. damn well knew what they were doing. Well, and that's my, to me, that was the weirdest part about it because, I mean, I was, I was not in that world, but I obviously, you know, everything I was studying and doing was pointing to, hey, you should probably figure out, you know, what's going on in this because you can, you can learn from it. But I was watching that, and I really was sitting there thinking, like, I don't know, and I'm sure what most people would say listening to this is, like, somebody, but I don't know who you arrest. Because if you're the CEO, that doesn't mean that you know all of the intricacies of every single department. If you're in charge of that department, you were put there to do a job that you're trying yeah. to do. I think that, and that to me is the most difficult part. It's like, okay, if we're going to arrest somebody, who? Because I don't know the answer Everybody. to that. Everybody. Everybody. All the bankers. All of them? <laughs> I don't know. That'd be interesting to see what would happen to global finance. Like, U.S. would just go, trying to take over. They're like, yeah, we'll throw them in jail, but one not all I've, of them. One thing I've learned <laughs> in life is that if one D-bag goes down, there's always another D-bag ready to take the spot. So somehow I think we'd be all right. <laughs> Yeah, the have you ever seen the big short? I have, yeah. I really liked that movie because I remember my my parents watched it and they came to me and they were like, "Hey, can you watch this and see if that's right?" <laughs> and uh, I was like, "Yeah, sure," because they were like, "They made it really easy to understand, and that's not normal, and it's Hollywood, yeah. so maybe not." It's like, but they did. And when they'd have those little cutaway scenes and yeah. they talk about what people were doing and how it was getting done, it was like, you know, if the the entire derivative market, I said, there's. Um, they had a derivative uh, part of the Series 7 exam that I had to do to become an advisor. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, they weren't called derivatives in the in the uh, literature. They were called collateralized mortgage obligations. Right. And I read that, and I seriously, like, I remember just thinking about that one section for, like, a week. Mm-hmm. Like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. No. How is this the thing? How is it legal? Yeah. Bec- oh, it's gambling. You can still it's, do it. Yeah. They renamed it, repackaged it as something else. Oh, of course, else. yeah. Of course. But it it's gambling on something that's so fundamentally important to the American economy. Yeah. That it it that's completely insane that that's legal. Yeah, well, and at the same time that they were saying no, you shouldn't have this market, they were because rates had gone down so much, they were telling people that they needed to do um they needed to go back and uh refinance their mortgage. Yeah, And it's like, if you know anything about those derivatives, they're based off of a period of time. So basically, they'll s- they'll put it into like 15-year or 30-year right. based on the mortgage, and you get that interest rate in a period of time. But they sell them then based on the idea that not all of those are going to get all the way to 30. Right. They're going right. to be refinanced, go to somebody else, and then sure. they'll no longer be a part of that package. And 
It's like, one, that's too complicated for anything. Oh, yeah. That's too complicated for anybody to go through. I don't care if you have the best thousand actuaries in the world. No, you can't prove or you can't predict that kind of behavior. But then to actively tell people, like, you need to go refinance your mortgage and just fuck up the ones that were actually performing. Mm -hmm. Like, cool story. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. It is. It's fundamentally crazy that you would even invest money in that there's yeah. so many more unknowns in that yeah than say even even an equity investment Mm-mm. i i don't understand why you would take that risk except that i it had been right that it was totally stable and boring well that was how it was perceived because right. it was always been it was always perceived it was always taught as what is more financially secure than the american mortgage right well and the answer and the answer is not a fucking derivative (laughs) (laughs) there's a reason mortgage exactly like credit score down payment there's a reason a mortgage is fairly easy to main to get because they feel like they can predict what home values will be long term and honestly even in the recession they weren't off home values came back right in most areas some areas they went down but in most areas, they've come back and they've gone higher than what they used to be. That being said, a derivative doesn't own the house. Right. The bank owned the house. Right. You don't own There's it. There's no actual collateral. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that so that brings me to another conversation that I had. I think I can't remember who it was that I had this conversation with, but um, this is kind of a story that's getting brought up. So I wanted to get your historical perspective on it. But the. Um, all of the conversation going on about student loans. Because mm. I know you, you've you got a couple of oh. long-ass degrees in your family, uh, <laughs> between you and Amy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Amy and I have a much nicer house worth of student loan debt <laughs> than the house <laughs> we live in. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah this <laughs> and it's all up here. But, I mean, so the re- I think you, have a, you probably have a unique perspective because, one, you guys know that, that you have that. And, and two – if they're able to come in and say like we're going to wipe it all out it's mm-hmm. like i have a big issue with it cuz it's like it's 1.4 trillion dollars that we didn't sign up for mm-hmm. i don't like we we continue to pretend like we have money we right. we, we don't have money but it's it's an interesting thing because i'll tell you my perspective and then sure my my biggest issue with it isn't that i don't think it makes sense ne- necessarily because obviously if we were a financially in- intelligent Mm-hmm. country then i'd be like yeah if we had you know a few trillion dollars in debt that was just churning and our gdp was still high and everything else it was like that should be a good topic of conversation that's not where we sure. are we're spending a trillion dollars you know in the last decade five years of that we spent over a trillion dollars just per year that we didn't have mm-hmm. and so when i look at it i just think like this is not something that is backed by an asset outside of if you look at the asset as a a more educated public. Mm-hmm. And in some circumstances, I don't see it outside of being able to say I have a degree. Mm-hmm. Like some degrees, I'm like, I don't know if that's an asset for everybody. Do you mean uh, like history degree? <laughs> <laughs> I think well, I would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean like your history degree, you are in the field. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, that's to me, that makes a ton of sense. Right. Or at least field adjacent. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, and maybe I'm off base on that, but I mean, when I, when I see that, that's my biggest argument. It's like, if you want to say that you're investing in your people, you have to be intelligent enough to invest right. in making sure that our f- 
fiscal house is in order. Like, by the way, pay the 9-11 first responders. Yeah. Let's make sure that right. shit happens right. first. One would think that would be undeniable. Uh, yeah, that should just be done, right. obviously. So I'm not talking about stuff like that. Like two days after 9-11, <laughs> not exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, but you, th- you talk about stuff like that, but then it's like, man, if you're going to, like, as far as, like, college and how expensive it is and how many mm-hmm. schools they are there are and everything else that goes into that that's a really tough sell to me yeah i mean uh, there's a lot of things that are going into this yeah right so one of the things that's happening is that this is one of those few areas where so so you take you take a company like walmart for example mm-hmm. right which has all these part-time employees and basically what they're allowing the government to do is to subsidize their labor force by not yeah. offering full-time employee employment, not yep. offering retirement, not offering health care, right? Whenever we we talk about that, we sort of always talk about it as the private sector having the federal government subsidize them in some way. Right. Higher education is this weird one where primarily states – have basically allowed the federal government to subsidize it. Yeah. Um, so you have states like like Missouri, for example, that since the 1960s has made significant cuts to its public school system, mm-hmm. its public higher education system. Which has had a great result, I assume. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and what it is is an increase in student loan debt, mm-hmm. right? So states sort of somewhere along the line figured out we can significantly cut back on how much we're funding universities. Universities will just charge more to the consumer. Yep. And the consumer, who can't really afford it, will just take out more loans from the federal government. Yep. And because our culture has taught everybody that the key to the middle class and financial stability is having a, a college degree, mm-hmm. people will allow themselves to be bamboozled into that yeah you know for myself um i i'm actually in this weird place now where i have more debt in interest than i do in principal oh interesting yeah because i've been in school for so long yeah haven't been making payments so it's just the so it's just been capitalizing yeah and so now i have just this insane amount uh, yep. I don't really pay any attention to any of that, and I'll explain why in just a second. Mm-hmm. But you know, so so we have this. So we have first of all the problem that states really aren't carrying their weight mm-hmm. when it comes to higher education, and they need to increase the amount of money that they're supporting higher education with, especially midwestern states. Yeah, right. Because places like Missouri and Kansas, our weather sucks. Yeah, people don't want to live here. Right. People do live here because the cost of living is cheap and the educational system is quality and the educational system has remained quality. But the states really need to be carrying on a higher burden for higher education. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the first thing. The second thing is not everybody needs a bachelor's degree. Yeah. You know, we live in this weird world where things are in high demand that you don't need a bachelor's degree for. Yeah. And yet we haven't really made that shift yet to say. No, no, no. Don't go to college. Go to technical school and learn welding because you're going to make a friggin' fortune and yeah. you're going to be a whole lot happier. Yeah. Just do that. And if and you get out of the program, if you join a union, they might pay for that. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and so so that's what we need to really sort of shift our thinking on bachelor's degrees. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, even master's degrees and PhDs, you know, using history as an example of this. 
I'm about a year away from finishing my PhD in history, which is taking me way too long, but I'm about a year away from finishing. When I get done, I have zero chance of getting a job as a professor. Mm. The job market is terrible, and it's okay because I actually make more money teaching high school than I ever would actually working as a entry-level professor. That's cool. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, but my lifetime earnings are probably higher where I'm at than if yeah. I were able to go down that road. So there's this finite number of PhDs that are needed, and yet colleges keep accepting people into PhD programs. Right. It's a revenue driver. Yeah. But there's no outcome in the end for them. Right. Or very few of those people. So you have that problem, too, right, that it's in the best interests of colleges. We have too many colleges, for example, um, because we don't need as much education as is happening, Uh, as much higher education, right? We need a lot of technical training and things like that, but we don't need as many people going to college as go to college. So you have that problem. But then you have, let's come back to me and my debt load for a minute. Mm -hmm. Um, When I finished my two master's degrees, I had a decision to make about, should I continue on with the PhD? And I ultimately decided that it was in my best interest to do that because of a change to the student loan program that Obama had made, which was to create the public service option. Mm-hmm. So when I'm all said and done, um, as soon as I go back into repayment, I can qualify for an income adjusted program. I make payments for 10 years and because i work for a nonprofit, at the end of 10 years anything that i have left is forgiven ah now in my mind that's kind of all we need to do yep you know i don't know that we need to um we need to be going through strenuous effort to forgive the loans of a doctor who's in private practice right right now the doctor who goes and works for who, who gets, you know, half a million dollars in student loans mm-hmm. and then goes to work for the local clinic, their loans are going to be forgiven under the same program because gotcha. they work for a nonprofit. Yeah. So I, I think we already have built into the system the things that are needed to fix it. Yeah. We just have to follow through on that. Now, that means that over time we're going to end up as a country forgiving, you know, mass quantities. I mean... I'm going to stick the government with a huge bill for my student loans at the end of my time. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm a teacher, you know, I've spent my time teaching like that. That is within our national interest. Yeah. There's value in making sure teachers are taken care of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and my problem with, you know, forgiving everybody's student loans is that, okay, you have fixed the problem as of today, Mm -hmm. tomorrow, the problem starts all over again. Yeah. So unless we're actually going to take care of some of these other things, mm-hmm. then there's really no reason to try to address this in any sort of a global way. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it's a very intelligent view. That's why I wanted to ask you about <laughs> yeah, it. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because you, you've you never seemed like the kind of person that you always think things through, even if the end result isn't the answer that you had assumed you would right believe in so you're willing to change your mind yeah absolutely. and i appreciate that and it's like anything with regard to educators not not educators that are working for like for-profit colleges mm-hmm. but educators that are you know high schools middle schools elementary mm-hmm. schools like we we talk we talk a big game about you know how educators are the best thing and they're teaching our children they're teaching our future and then it's like hey but um 
can you buy some more fucking crowns? Mm-hmm. Yeah, please, exactly. Because we don't have enough, and you know, taxes and shit. It's like yeah. I, I don't like when they. I can't remember what it was, and they may have increased it, but I remember when they were talking about the new tax plan, they were like, "Yeah, teachers can only write off a hundred dollars in material." Mm-hmm. Like, Are you kidding me? Yeah, really? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, yeah. I mean, I I work for a pretty well funded private school, and I end up spending more than that, you yeah. know, because it's just things that you end up. Needing, yeah. you know, buying, uh, it's, you know, or because you're a teacher, you probably walk by something and you're like, that, that would help me out a lot. Be, that would be great. Yeah. yeah. Kids would love that. Yeah. Yeah. I walked past it. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but they now sell Elmer's glue in a gallon size. Oh, God. I have no need for this. I really want it. I don't know why. I think I just want to, like, pour it out and stick my hand in it. <laughs> just feel just, around. Yeah, just feel around it. You know, I, I don't know. Like that, That's kind of goofy. But, yeah, I mean, you know, in my case, that would be illegitimate. But if you were a kindergarten teacher, I bet you'd use the heck That's of a that. lot of kids eating glue that you just solved right there for 10 bucks for a gallon, right? Yeah, just don't pour it down out down the drain or outside or you kill a whale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One of the other um, questions that I know I had was, um, and we talked about this, we talked about it on the last podcast because I found it really interesting what you originally had said about Iraq, that it was basically like it's three areas mm-hmm. of people that hate each other. Mm-hmm. Let's all put them in one country and see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not well. Yeah, no, but makes me think even more about the fact that eastern culture mm-hmm. i mean you know china japan not australia because we kind of created some of that sure but you know that region that asian pacific region we don't concentrate at all i mean russia a little bit because they're basically a european country in a way right but that kind of southern area we don't know any history at all and that's pretty much where everybody on earth lives yeah yeah. And it's a very strange thing to me. So I, I think in my text message, I said Eastern culture, the highlights. And it's like, yeah, that's the most Western perspective <laughs> yeah. ever. Just like, tell me the good stuff. Just, uh, yeah. just tell me like the five things what they the did. Top three <laughs> things but I mean, that's it's an like interesting thing to me that we don't. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting to me that we don't really concentrate on that. It's basically like we go Fertile Crescent, Egypt, mm-hmm. Europe, mm-hmm. like Fertile Crescent, Egypt, Greece, Italy, R- Rome. And then Europe for Yeah, I think we're getting better at that. Yeah. Um, but I do think that there's still just the fact that people don't know that much about it. Yeah. You know, I think it's it's a difficult subject for teachers to teach because they've probably gone their entire lives without having significant exposure to it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it is, it, it is interesting that we don't, you know, they, we're currently confronting china in new and interesting ways all the time and i think that it's pretty clear at this point that the chinese understand us mm-hmm. and we don't really understand them yeah and for a long time that's how they liked it well yeah and i think yeah. they would prefer that it still remain that way because yeah. we don't really under we know mao and then kind nothing of, else right yeah. yeah kind of yeah and then there was some other stuff that happened and yeah and then and xi jinping we don't really know their culture mm-hmm. you know um, like the thing that's really difficult for me is, and this is a, a recent view, this isn't mm-hmm. a historical view, but is they're, you know, outside of Russia, they're pretty much known as communism central. Right. But then they have like Alibaba, they have mm-hmm. all these companies that are coming out of China. And even though we know that they're heavily regulated, mm-hmm. we celebrate it in a way. It's like, 
look at that. They're becoming more capitalist. And it's like, are they? I don't I don't know what's going on here. Well, yeah. I mean, that whole thing is really weird, right? Because they've sort of redefined communism yeah. to be to de-emphasize economics but never de-emphasize social control right so you know it's it's pretty clear i think that in china there's a high degree of economic freedom if you can pay for it oh and that other types of freedom the freedom that we would maybe hold a little closer to our heart just simply doesn't exist yeah and that's weird Right. That's mm-hmm. difficult for us as Americans to wrap our minds around. And so so that sort of creates a challenge because we see these things that are happening as a liberalization. Alibaba. Right. Oh, great. They're embracing capitalism. This yeah, is they wonderful. They get to list on the New York Stock Exchange. Yeah. No, they're not embracing capitalism. No. They're not embracing capitalism in the way that we think of it because they're not embracing the other things that we associate with capitalism. Right. Right. You know, that fundamental idea of freedom. Freedom of exchange leads to the freedom of exchange of ideas, to freedom of speech, to freedom of religion. All these things are intertwined. And they all, lead Ameri- to por- they all lead to Pornhub. And they all lead to Pornhub. <laughs> yeah, absolutely they do. <laughs> um, and those things are all so intertwined in our our culture and our understanding of capitalism Yeah, that when we see something that kind of looks like that, we are celebrating it, not realizing that it's actually something radically different. Yeah. And I don't even know what it is at this point, except that it is a tremendous economic engine. Yeah. Um, and it is it has raised the standard of living in China significantly over the last 20 years. Yeah. But it's still not freedom. Right. Well, it's what a strange thing. And obviously, I'm sure with them, the perspective is just what what they're living. Mm-hmm. It's not. Well, we saw America grow up, and now we're seeing us. Like that's probably not the perspective at all. It's probably just things look like they're getting better. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. that's probably pretty accurate. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine that in China there probably is this sense that now it's our time. Yeah, right, because everything's been sort of pointing in their direction. On the other hand, it's also pretty clear that their economy is about to suffer a recession of some sort. Yeah, or is currently suffering a recession of some sort. And I don't know, you know, it's easier in a command economy to sort of make things work. Mm-hmm. But so much has been liberalized there economically that, yeah, you can force companies to do some things still. But sort of the, the creativity that drives economic activity is not going to do well under forced mm-hmm. action. Yeah. And so I, d- I don't know how that's going to work out for them. So they've got some pretty tremendous problems, I think. Well, it's the, I mean, it's the trillion dollar gamble too, because, you know, whether we like it or not, their economic engine mm-hmm. is, has been what's driven us. I mean, yeah, I remember absolutely. I, when I came out of college, I worked for Waddell and Reed. They made us like memorize this presentation that we had to like go and give out to people. It was called the infinite loop. And it was basically like how, the United States is benefiting from China's growth is benefiting from the United States. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is also kind of what started to drive the, the recession that we had with real estate. Like mm-hmm. if you're not independently strong in several areas, one area crashes and you go down. Mm-hmm. It was like China's, you know, and I remember they talked about like, we always had to say like, you know, I'm sure everybody's heard it, but it's like past results are not indicative of future results. Mm-hmm. And, but we would talk about the fact that they were growing at 20% a year like it was. 
Like, yeah, they've been growing 20% a year. Well, didn't you just say that one thing? No, no, don't worry about that investment. And it's a strange thing to see, but I wonder, too, if because they've liberalized a little bit, if that to the people smells like like freedom. Like if they're walking around going, you know, yeah, I mean, people are getting put in jail, and that's obviously bad, and we've been dealing with that, but it's not North Korea. It's not Mao. We're getting stuff. Yeah. We, we can't look for everything we want online, but we can find a lot. Well, you know, I mean, we sort of have that in this country, though, yeah. right? Where we sort of misunderstand consumer culture yep. as being freedom. Yeah. But the freedom to buy is not freedom. Right. Right? So, yeah, there probably is this sense, especially among people who are old enough to remember when they didn't have access to that level of consumer good. Yeah. That, yeah, this is, we're free. Things are moving along. Of course, in China, you know, you also have, if you try to assert actual freedom, mm. things really <laughs> don't tend to go very well. Yeah. Right? So, so there is, I think, probably reminders for them yeah. uh, of what that reality still is. Gotcha. Yeah. What, um, speaking of, of Mao and all the good stuff that he did for China, killing them killing lots of people <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but one thing and maybe i'm just a complete idiot and didn't mi- like and missed every single day where they talked about this in school sure. but the one thing that i thought it was kind of a, a mind fuck and this, it's, it was not like yesterday but it was kind of an embarrassingly long time that it took for me to understand this mm-hmm. but within communism especially like russian communism china's mm-hmm. communism like you you don't you don't believe in God. Religions, religion teaches freedom. Religion teaches all, all the things that they probably, at least some of the things that they probably don't want you to know. Well, religion also gets your eye off the ball. Ah. You, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Re- religion, so, so Marx in particular thought that religion was regressive. Gotcha. That we couldn't progress as a people as long as we had these crazy religious ideas that we held on to and thought were true and right and acted on and allowed to to inform our present lives yeah that the only real thing that mattered was class conflict hmm. and 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 doing away with the bourgeoisie and yeah. that if you had religion to fall back on that would always weaken you as a as a class yeah the the labor would be weakened by religion because you would never view yourselves as laborers you would view yourselves as catholic laborers lutheran laborers okay yeah so so a lot of this had to do with class identity also gotcha yeah well i guess if everyone's equal you don't want a bunch of religions branching around no no i mean the the right and like the american example of this is like really is with a place where you know Marx is predicting economic futures. Yeah. I don't think is real great, but Marx, as a guy examining economic reality at the time that he was writing and even into our present, really nailed some shit. Yeah, and so like in America, we have a perfect example of this. Right, is that poor white people and poor black people have the exact same economic issues, the mm-hmm. exact same cultural issues for the most part. Right, the exact same social issues. And if they came together as a unified block, because we are a democracy, could seriously change some things. Yeah. That's never, ever, ever going to happen mm-hmm. because of their inability to see each other as having the same problems, even though they have slightly different cultures. Right. So 
and this is done by design within the United States. There's a long history of, of sort of the upper classes trying to get black people and white, poor whites and poor blacks to understand that they are different mm-hmm. when in reality they really aren't different. Right. And so, so like all, anything that can divide culture within Marxism was seen as a negative. Gotcha. So you de-emphasize race. You create one national race. You get rid of religion. Our religion is the state. You have to create one unified idea of what it is that we're doing, mm-hmm. where we're going, and who we are in order to actually be able to overcome the power of the bourgeoisie. Gotcha. Sounds like communist propaganda, but okay. Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, it is, right? But, but on the other hand, I think they're fundamentally right. I mean, that's the thing. You know, Marx— Yeah, well, I mean, that your point about poor, you know, poor whites, poor blacks, mm-hmm. if you look at them as a unit— yeah. I mean, when we t- hear it every day that what that um, income inequality is at its worst point and is past it, what it was in the 1920s. Yeah. It's like we're past that. Right. The 1920s didn't exactly fucking end with a great 1930s. No, it did not. So, <laughs> the 1930s weren't great for us. So if you know that and you know that there's that much income inequality, mm-hmm. it's like that is a great way to separate people that are powerful together. Yeah. It's absolutely. Like if you've got, you know. I don't know what the number is, but if you've got, you know, 200 million voters that mm-hmm. could all affect change, you want to keep those people as separated as possible. Absolutely. You want to find everything wrong with the other party so that you can affect what change you want. And that explains America today. Exactly. We're doing good, man. We're doing great. <laughs> as we always have. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, getting back to uh, getting like circling back to Roosevelt, like it was amazing to me to read like with the bull moose party like after he was done and he got so pissed off at taft yeah and he was basically willing to try to beat two people which he wouldn't but he was basically trying to beat two people to get back on because he just could not stand things Mm -hmm. but if you read behind the the lines it's like from the time he came into politics Mm -hmm. until the time he basically was finished running as for president of the bull moose the man had an incredible progressive change yeah, he went from as conservative as it gets to I won't say as progressive as it gets, but, but for the age, pretty fucking pretty damn close. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he he would be the progressive wing of the Democratic Party today mm-hmm. would speak to him. Yep. He would understand where they're coming from. Yeah, because he understood in a way that I think a lot of people didn't at the time, the, at least not a lot of people who are in power that economic inequality was dangerous to society. Yeah. And that you could take steps to address some of those issues without actually destroying capitalism. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's funny that we sort of live in this age now where that you're either a capitalist or a socialist. Yeah. And that idea that you can be a capitalist who understands that there are problems with capitalism, that if we could address those would make capitalism better. Mm Mm-hmm is too gray of an idea to ever get any traction. Yeah. Um, But, but that's, that's really where we're at. Right. I mean, you know, some of these crazy things that you hear about are just not, they're just not going to happen. They're never going to happen. The United States is never going to um, adopt a single payer Medicare for all style system. Right. It's just not going to happen. However, there's clearly some policy issues. Yeah. Right. About access to medical care. There's, I think, bigger issues around how much does it really cost to get medical care? 
Yeah. Um, you know, what is the difference between the real cost of an exam and what gets billed to your insurance company that inflates the prices? And well, exactly. There are certainly reasons why that happens, but you know, so there there are policy areas that can be addressed and make things better for everybody. But right. I do think that we as a country have gotten to this point where we see any policy change is a zero sum game and it that's mm-hmm. just not that's just not what it is. No. I mean that's you want policy change. I just wish there was and you know fucking wishful thinking but like it would be nice if there was a politician around right now that could speak because and this is what I think Trump was really good at during his run mm-hmm. was if he said something it was so unpolished and so basic mm-hmm. that people caught it. It was right. like they felt like they understood. And it's like he could break yeah. down. He, whether you agree with it or not, obviously, is up for debate. But it was like he was really good at saying, this is bad. Yeah. People went, that must be bad. It's very clear, right? Yeah. He's, he's very super clear. And I think this is part of the problem that the moderates in this country have had. Mm. Um, and it's not a problem with them. It's a problem with us. You know, like I always... Whenever I see John Kasich, for example, give an interview, he, he throws us out a statement and there's like 14 qualifiers to it. And you have uh-huh. to have all this background information to understand what it is that he's getting at. But if you read through it, you're like, yeah, that makes but sense. But I a thousand percent agree with just about everything that comes out of the man's mouth. Yep. Right. And I have some differences. For of sure. course. He's yeah. a little bit more conservative than I am. But but it, it's this is kind of the problem we're at as a country is that we're not willing to do any homework. We're not willing to put any forethought into anything. Yeah. We want politicians who are able to make a very, very gray world completely black and white so that I, without, you know, any sort of education or background or having picked up a book in the last four decades Mm -hmm. can make, can participate in political discussions Mm -hmm. that happen at my base level. Well, unfortunately our, Government has become so complex you can't. Yeah. And people who say it shouldn't be that complex can go fuck themselves because right. this is we're living in a complex world and this is just the way it's gonna be from now on. Yeah. And there are no easy choices. No. Everything is going to be a mess. Yeah. But I mean I know go ahead, sorry. No, no, go I was just gonna say I when you say that, the moment that I remember and we might have talked about this on the last one or I was talking to somebody else about it, but before like Paul Ryan got into a speakership, mm-hmm. I was a big Paul Ryan fan sure. because whether or not you agreed with him, he at least presented plans. He presented mm-hmm. options. And <clears throat> my wife and I, Nikki and I, were driving back from an event, and we caught the first half of he and Biden's debate. Mm-hmm. And it was the Nixon-Kennedy thing all over again. Mm-hmm. It was like if you were listening to that on the radio, you were like, Paul Ryan is destroying this mm-hmm. guy. Joe Biden came off sounding like, he was just trying to make a loud talking point and had no other information. And mm-hmm. Paul Ryan's like, here's what this is. Here's what this is. Here's yeah. how you bring troops out of here. Here's what you do here. And he's going through all these economic plans. He's going straight back at him. There is no question in my mind that on TV, people are just like tweeting out like, well, Biden lost that one. He's going crazy. I got home, turned the TV mm-hmm. on, and Biden's sitting up straight up smiling at the camera smiling at everybody Mm -hmm. and paul ryan is just like hunched over focused and trying to explain his ideas Mm -hmm. it's like oh no dude yeah yeah exactly (laughs) copy him for a second stand back smile a bit 
Because, I mean, as soon as I got home, it looked like he was losing right. immediately. And it was just crazy to me because I'm sitting there like, I I needed you to be the smart one because we have right. the Romnitron 3000 <laughs> against President Obama. And that's ultimately who you're voting for. Right. But if you can take out Biden, you take away his guard dog. Right. And, you know, at that point, I was a huge fan of the Romney Ryan ticket. That was just me at that point. But I was really a fan of the ticket because he had Paul Ryan at the mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it was just so depressing to be like, oh, I wish people would turn off the TV and turn on the radio. I mm -hmm. wish this was 1940. Yeah. <laughs> right. But but I mean, that's but that plays to your point. Exactly. It was like you had the guys sitting there with big ideas and big quotes like we're pulling out our troops mm -hmm. in 2013. And Paul Ryan saying, like, that's a bad idea, not because we shouldn't pull out, but because if you do it when you say you're going to. Mm -hmm. This is like that's when they always attack. So we're leaving our people there and decreasing their numbers right at the time they start attacking again. Mm -hmm. Nope. That was a qualifier. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, that's it's, and it's funny because Biden, who so far is the Democrat I'm supporting in the primary, yeah. um, he has been pretty good at boiling something down to black and white, and then well, the answer is only half complete, <laughs> and then it ends up being radically different somewhere else, you know. <laughs> So it is interesting that like what one of the things that it, it's funny that so in the last debate, you know, where Kamala Harris came after him about busing. Yeah. And it, it's like she made an issue black and white that is beyond gray. Yeah. Right. And, and beyond gray and 40 years old. Yeah. So now he had to <laughs> explain. Yeah. This his position on this extreme his very gray position on this very gray issue <laughs> from forty years from ago. forty years ago, <laughs> and people are like, "Well, that was terrible," and it's like, "No, man, yeah. this is complex. This is yeah. how do you re-engineer a society? Yeah, after a hundred years of separation, right? Like, okay, this is not basically no no answer is going to work. No, right? This is not going to be pretty. This is going to be ugly. Well, in the moment that it turned into not a black and white issue in policy, but a black and white issue. Yeah. Oh, he and loses. then there's that too. Right. Yeah. So he's automatically going to lose yep. when it comes to that, or at least the in interpretation is going to be that he loses. Yeah. But I mean, it is it's interesting because he's gotten pretty good at doing that. And Obama, you know, Obama was interesting because he had a, a pretty good way of sort of boiling a gray issue down into black and white mm -hmm. and being like, this is my very black and white answer. Of course, the reality is going to be infinitely more complex. Yep. I'm just not going to get into that right yeah, now. Exactly. Which is yeah. kind of what you end up having to do to get any traction with the American public because we're like incapable of digesting complex ideas. Yeah. Which is terrifying. Do you think that goes back to the education system? Like, let's just, I mean, the idea, like, let's just keep people dumb. I think we've always been like, I think there's just something. Well, so there's like, a, not a robust history, but like stronger than you would think mm -hmm. about anti-intellectualism all throughout American history. Okay. And about this just need as Americans to sort of reject intellectualism, to reject um, complexity to reject experts, right? Yeah. You're not gonna. Oh, you spent your whole life studying that. You're not gonna tell me because I'm a free American living in this democracy and I get to make choices for myself. Oh, not understanding. You know, it, it's like it, it is interesting to me that plumbing, for example, 
which I am her I have heard is relatively straightforward. Mm. Right? We always call in an expert for that. Mm-hmm. But for something that's really complex and hard to understand, like the American legal system, we always assume we could just do it ourselves. Yeah. Or that it's a mess. <laughs> Here's what's wrong. I'm going to tell you what's wrong. And, you know, like like the debt issue yeah. is another one. You know, like, well, we just spend too much money. Great. Where do you make a cut? Right. Exactly. Yeah, you know, exactly. And it, But so we sort of in, have this reflex against being told things mm-hmm. when it comes to democracy that we don't have when it comes to things like cancer that are no actually i mean think about that too oh true yeah that's sort of recently joined the fray here of things that we reject where we're like oh i'm not gonna get vaccine i'm not gonna get i'm not gonna get a vaccine okay great yeah well enjoy having your kid friggin die from a very preventable thing a very preventable disease yeah Yeah. when polo makes a comeback come talk to me about that yeah polio not polo (laughs) i wasn't gonna call you yeah i appreciate that (laughs) No, I, <clears throat> I, uh, when you brought up that in the very beginning of your, your rant, I was just, I literally this morning, I showed something that a person had posted online that I knew a few years back. And I have, like, I'm not going to be Christopher Hitchens and pretend and, like, just have a complete issue with religion forever. Mm-hmm. But, and I, I'm, I'm not, I don't go to church or anything like that, but I've always identified myself as a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, it's become more complicated as I get older, <laughs> but but uh, he post this guy posts this thing on Facebook, which is obviously just a center for intellectual and intelligent thought. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> he says the meme is basically like, "Don't tell." I don't remember the picture, but don't tell me that um, you that uh, the Bible is a is written by man as like a, a bad thing when you trust and I have to get this right because there's something thrown in that doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. He's like when you don't trust horos or when you trust horoscopes, um, the weatherman, science journals and newspapers. It's like what? Whoa, don't don't Wait. throw science journals in no 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 that's, no. that's all equivalent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, you can say newspapers in a way right now, like if you think online newspaper, like that kind of thing. You can say yeah. horoscopes without question. <laughs> Don't throw in science journals. Like it's just something to throw away. Like yeah. I can't believe you oh, believe yeah. that it's science. Just, like oh, for God's it's sake, for nerds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could have gotten, I could have been okay with the rest of it when he threw in science journal. Like, and not okay. That still would be annoying. Just like, don't throw in science journals. Like in the middle of that. Right. Like you shouldn't trust science. Like, dude. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we we could have a debate about science, yeah. but I think there is a fundamental, you know, place you start where yeah yeah this is, you know, it's funny. It's like uh, it is interesting to me the uh, sort of the way we we reject certain things yeah you know, and the reasons why mm-hmm. you know it's like like. <laughs> Like my my mother always says, Mom, if you're listening, I apologize. But always <laughs> says something to the effect of, "Why well, I don't believe in this climate change stuff." You know, they called it global warming before that. And back in the '70s, we had global cooling was the problem, and <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about. And it's like, well, they clearly knew something was changing. Mm-hmm. 
And as they've researched more and methods have become more refined, they're pretty sure now that it's just going to look radically different in different places depending on the way in which the increase in the overall heat of the planet plays out in different places. Yeah. So it's, again, very gray. Yeah. Right? Why is springtime in June? That's always like my yeah. It's like winter Winter starts in January now. Right. And we have spring in June. Yeah. This uh, is not fun. Absolutely. I, why is it snowing in May? Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's really confusing. Yeah. I, yeah. And again, it's it's like you were saying, it's a problem where you can't just shut it down because you're not educated on the subject. Right. Absolutely. But And that's, for whatever reason, we as Americans are always like, I'm not educated, so fuck you. You know? <laughs> I think this. It's yeah. like, no, you can't no. do that. Like, until you do the research, until you know what the hell you're talking about, just shut the hell up about it. Yeah. Trust but, the people who know. But please go do that research. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> go do it. Please. Go, go do the independent research. Yeah. You know, you will find that scientists have debates among themselves about this shit. That's yeah. the part that's up for grabs. Yeah. Where you get to form an opinion. Yeah, well, and I love the... I have a buddy of mine who threw this out, and I had to tell him, like, dude, I, I need you to do something for me and not say this ever again. <laughs> like, I love you to death, man, but please don't. But uh, he was talking, and he was talking. He said the line, and every time I hear this line, I'm just like, I wish scientists would come up with just another term mm-hmm. so I don't have to keep defending this crap. But it's like, well, they call them theories in science. So yeah. what do you think they know about it? It's like. The theory of gravity is a theory. Yeah. It's a a jump out a window, see if it's not going to work. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, and that goes back to right this like fundamental ignorance. Yeah. It's like you you call it a theory because you're like 95% certain that it's right. Yeah. But you're leaving open the possibility it could change because that idea that you're going to take in new information. Mm hmm. And maybe revise yeah. is really, really important to the scientific process. Yeah. Well, I heard something about like the like one of Einstein's theories. I don't know if it's the general theory of relativity or what, but like they think they've disproven part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like that's science. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. His theory is right almost every time. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. But guess what? We live in kind of a weird universe that we don't understand, and we're just a bunch no. of. Like, we're a bunch of things that in the last 100,000 years have developed. Yeah. Well, it's like, <laughs> um, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson always says the universe is under no obligation to be understood by you. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean. That's the best comment ever. But we all act like. Yeah. Like with everything else. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, of course I can understand it. Like, yeah. No, there's shit out there you can't understand. No. We don't understand it. Like, you're never going to be able to understand it. Yeah. Black holes are never going to actually make sense. No. Ever. Yeah. The best scientists that we've ever had have gone, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> if you flip through it, you go through time. I you don't know. You go through time, go to a different universe. There's universe. all these theories. Yeah, well, right. and that's the thing that's an issue. It's like there are then like the theories where they say they don't know. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, well, the theory of this is wrong. Like, right. No. No, 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 no. Don't right. think about it like that. This is a mathematical equation. That's all they're like at this point. That's what they're figuring out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what it takes to get to this answer, right. or what that answer is when you do all of these things. Right, and it's really hard to translate math into something tangible. Yeah, right. And I love the fact that he makes it easy. So the explanations are always just kind of like, well, this could be, you know, yeah. It's kind of it's like it's always funny to me that um, 
like evangelicals every once in a while get on a big thing about evolution and just get and just drag darwin's name through the mud it's like if you ever read the species or the what what the hell is this book called uh origin of species the origin of species yeah. species thanks I'm really blowing you it almost had it in the memory <laughs> department today um like the whole book is like written by grandpa and grandpa is like, well, I saw two birds. They were the same bird. They were different colors. This could mean a thing. <laughs> I don't know. I, I have never read it. Now I'm, I kind of want to go back. and I'm read it. guessing they came from the same place and now they're different. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> you know, and the whole thing is just sort of like, what a quinky dink. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and it's like, really? This is the guy that you guys have spent the last hundred years trashing? The guy who's like, well, fuck, I don't know. You know, uh, <laughs> it seems like they evolved. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that we should have gotten so up in arms about this. Yeah. This this, you, sh- you should read this. He, he has he admits he has no idea. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I saw some debate. One of the thousand I've watched on YouTube, because I am completely addicted to YouTube. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's not a good thing. It's probably bad. <laughs> but <laughs> but I watched a debate, and there was somebody who was had that exact same thing. Like, you know, evolution's this, and it's mm-hmm. not real. We didn't evolve from monkeys. And it's like, well, technically, we didn't. We evolved from a pre-human right stage yeah 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 you're kind of correct you're kind of right actually you know <laughs> anywhere from like four to eighteen hundred different versions of human exactly. before you get to monkeys so yeah yeah we're like way back there yeah yeah but common ancestor but yeah we're definitely yeah, yeah, totally we're not that sure yeah, yeah that, that that's what makes you feel makes you feel better but they're like i don't believe in evolution she's like in any way or just in humans he was like i don't believe it in any way it's like you ever get a flu shot? Yeah, talk to me about wisdom teeth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, she said, I mean, she was bringing up the flu. I was like, there's a reason. Yeah. It's, it have evolves. you notice how it changes? Yeah. Do you notice how you have to get a year? shot every year? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like <laughs> clearly things are like, I actually, my, my big pet peeve is genetically modified people who are out of control about GMOs. <laughs> it's like literally everything you eat is a GMO. Yeah. Look up Google like corn, corn from the 1700s. Yeah. Look it's at corn now. totally different. Yeah. yeah. GMOs feed the world. Corn from a thousand years ago is dramatically different from corn from 700 years ago because yeah. humans have always been, you know, trying to create better strains of things. Yeah. They didn't do it in a lab. They did it in a field the old yeah. fashioned way. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's not genetic, genetically modified. Right. I mean, George That's Washington exactly did what it that. Is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, we've been doing this stuff for forever. There is like this sort of like weird and like you see this a lot, like discussions of Native Americans. It's like the Native Americans were natural and lived in the wild. Like, uh, they like burned fields. They mm-hmm. planted crops. Like they, they were the ones that taught us how to plant. When yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like like yeah, they. Yeah, uh, you put a fish right there. They were certainly more connected to the land than we are. Yeah, but our under our idea of the land they lived in was not natural because they had already changed it. Yeah, this is an idea I'm totally just stealing from a much better historian than me. That's okay. But. Regardless, it's like, yeah, that's not that's not natural. Like there's yeah. there is no such thing as pure corn. Yeah. That you can just buy that hasn't been messed with in some way. Like just chill. It'll all be fine. <laughs> well, like, do you walk around and just find corn like what it looks like <laughs> in a field? <laughs> like are you just like walking yeah. your property line yeah. like, oh shit, some corn grew out yeah. here. It's seven feet tall. Yeah, That's look amazing. at that. It's amazing. It's natural. It's so corn. yellow. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Yeah, I 
I understand the people that freak out, like with the chemicals that get cleaned with, oh, like some of the yeah, stuff that they no, won't ac- no, no, accept absolutely. in Europe and stuff. But yeah, the, the non, the no GMO thing. It's like, oh, give me bullshit. A give me a break. Yeah, dude, we're GMOs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, we are. Oh my god. Yeah, it's it is amazing to me, but it's a buzzword. It's a buzz. I mean, it's yeah. People don't really think about what it means. No, it's just some you know crazy guy in a lab messing with my food and. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Well, um, Nikki. So I I have a thing about. Do you listen to revisionist revisionist history? No. No. Probably because you just know it all at this point. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds great. Well, it's uh, it's a podcast by Malcolm Gladwell. It's always like the one of the top ten, and uh, I'm sure you know what it is. We're just saying it for here, but um, but it's it's interesting because I like that he goes back and he'll do something like he did an interview with um. Oh, with somebody, it was the guy who has the record for the best percentage of free throw shots in the NBA. Okay. And he did it with, like, granny style. Oh, right, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so he's teaching people to do that, and they're getting, like, they've been shooting this other way their entire life, Mm -hmm. and they shoot his way for five minutes, and they're already doing better. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's like, are you going to do it? Like, no, no, it's embarrassing. No, I'm not going to do it. And it's weird. He's like, I do this with NBA players. I do this with high school yeah. players. I do it with everybody, and it's always a better result. You you want to come back to my earlier comment about how difficult it is to <laughs> uh, express masculinity in a uh, non-toxic way? Yeah. This is a real good example <laughs> of toxic masculinity. <laughs> Fuck no, I'm not shooting granny style. <laughs> I don't care if I miss. <laughs> but, he, uh, but in that, he talks about um, the results of – the guy who came around and said, like, I can't remember, I, I'm going to butcher this story, but basically some, he had a heart attack or somebody in his family had a heart attack, and he blamed it on the fact that McDonald's fried their fries in lard. Mm-hmm. And he was the guy that got everybody to change mm-hmm. because that was fat and that was gross and it was mm-hmm. awful. But if you fry in vegetable oil, oh, right. there's yeah, your option. It's and so veggies. They, of course, never tasted any better. Like, they never tasted better than they did back then. And pretty much everybody I've ever talked to agrees. Yeah. Like, they're still good, but they're not that good. Yeah. And uh, But they ended up finding out that, one, it was – just as bad if not worse for yeah. you because that's an animal and this is a vegetable and right. you, you can process certain things in a different way like but two like mcdonald's had to change so much of their practices mm-hmm. because frying in vegetable oil getting all over everything mm-hmm. is way harder to clean up and mm-hmm. mask and everything else than frying in lard and so it was this whole podcast about how basically mcdonald's had to because of public opinion right. cower to this guy and really he was wrong. Right. And, right. And so now it's been like 30 years and they have to invest so much money in just like washing things the right sure. way. So sure. But yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a very interesting thing when you have like buzzwords or moments mm-hmm. where people are just like, Nope, this is wrong. And everybody's like, yeah, that does sound well, wrong. And that's a good example of black and white. Right? Yeah, exactly. Obviously lard would be worse for you than yeah. vegetable oil. Yeah. Why? Well, it's a vegetable. It's healthy. And that's an animal. Yeah. Duh. Duh. Yeah, vegan. Yeah, they're, they're all very healthy. <laughs> um, do you want to grab another one? Uh, yeah. All right. Sounds let's, good. Let's take a break real quick. We'll come back. Sorry for any quick fart. Makes you gotta pass some oil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we didn't drive. We obviously didn't drive to Nashville, but when we went to North Carolina to see our, a friend of ours, the way it took us 
we actually went into Tennessee mm-hmm. and then came back down into where he is because he's like right in the middle of the Blue Ridge Mountains, mm-hmm. and uh, it's again it's beautiful. But there was there were, we when we got into Tennessee, we drove by a place that looked a little scary, mm-hmm. and it said Jonestown. Oh, and I was like, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to get a drink there. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want the Kool Aid. No, Thank you. Please, please, car, keep working. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna need you to not to not drop me off here. Yeah. All right. So if we've only got a little bit of time left. Even though I have the Jefferson Bible over there. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. I I liked – I read the concept behind it, and I was like, that sounds like something I'd like to read. Yeah. But um, – That's interesting. It is funny to me, though, that uh, there's – it's one of the Gospels. A fairly large book normally, like a three-pager. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He yeah. yeah. <laughs> really cuts through the bullshit. Yeah, so they know. came in to register yeah. for Texas, had a kid, went back. That's it. That's all you need to know. Yeah, no little drummer boy. He's good. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I just laugh my ass off because that's like the fir- it really is like the first two pages. Like, yeah, so they were here. They were gone. But it's fine. Yeah, his name is Jesus. It's all Guy good. was born. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> but outside of that, I told you that um, I wanted to bring you on because I wanted you con- to convince me that Thomas Jefferson wasn't Well, I'm bad. not going to convince you. <laughs> you might. You're, I'm open. You've just really got your mind locked that Jefferson <laughs> was a raging asshole. I think a lot of those guys were bigger assholes than they get credit for. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I have no doubt that all of them were exceptionally difficult people to deal with. Yeah. From what I've read, the only one that you can say, like, kind of actively knew he should probably not be a complete prick was Washington. And even he failed. Yeah. But sometimes his attempts to not be a complete prick came across as pricky. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It, Definitely. Yeah, like not shaking hands with people when you're president. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to hold the office up. Like that. <laughs> For example. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, so Jefferson. Let me take a drink of my beer here. You're good. <laughs> also on Washington. Like, I really hate slavery, but I mean, uh, I don't know what to do with these guys. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> that's kind of a lot of the founding fathers were like that yeah. you know it, well and, and let's be a little bit more direct about it it was i don't really like slavery but i also don't want to be poor yeah yeah right they understood that a lot of their economic stability came from owning slaves and they simply weren't willing to take that risk yeah right yeah. and we can criticize them for that um if we want to mm-hmm. um but I think understanding the place and time in which they were and the culture right. in which they existed, I think that there's something to be said for some of these guys who looked at the system and thought, oh, this just doesn't really seem right to me. Right. They didn't have the personal courage to follow through on that in that mm-hmm. regard, right? Um, but that that's a difficult thing, yep. you know. Um that doesn't justify it or explain it away or anything. I think it's just important to acknowledge the fact that, that again, what we're dealing with is something really gray Yeah, and it's not very black and white. Yeah. Um, not as black and white as we like to portray it today. Right. But back to Jefferson for a moment. <laughs> so, uh, you know, man, the declaration of independence, you can't, didn't he pretty much steal that from somewhere? I mean, large swaths of it are <laughs> stolen from John Locke. 
Um, but he made the critical change yeah, to it, which of happiness. was yeah, yeah, but which had been the right to own property, which of course people yep. were worried about would guarantee people property, and you don't want to do that because right. you know then you might have to give somebody something. <laughs> But happiness, the pursuit of happiness, right? I mean, so the Declaration of Independence, all men are created equal. I mean, this this is the thing, is that these guys who believe, they believed that, like Jefferson, I think, really did believe that all men were created equal, even if he lived in a world where they couldn't be. Right. And that idea, that promise for the future, that maybe someday in the future we really will all be equal. Mm-hmm has been so fundamental to our history and the development of us as a people. Yeah. I mean, I think if we didn't have that to fall back on, if we didn't have that rhetoric to use as shame mm-hmm. for ourselves in the present, when we are facing something that's so completely unfair and we know it, but nobody will admit it, it, it provides such a, an immediate uh, path to resolving difficult issues yeah, because fundamentally we we believe this as a people. Well, that has been. I mean, it's kind of. I think in film, and I'm trying to think of. I think they had a moment in. Um, oh, what's that Netflix movie with Matthew McConaughey where he, like, Free State of Jones? I think is. What oh it's yeah, called. yeah, yeah. But I think they have a moment of that. You know, with that line. I mean, mm-hmm. that. I totally admit that all of that is wonderful. It's the man behind it. Yeah. That's and again. That's all of them. Every single oh, sure. one of them had no, an issue. all of them. But it was just like the, the things that drove me a little insane were not like – and like I obviously am a Hamilton fan, but he was also brash and a dick. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. he would have been the most difficult guy to work with in history. Absolutely, yeah. So I completely understand that. It was like the, when I read the thing that he – Jefferson just kind of retreated – Mm-hmm. At a, what was it? He retreated as the like uh, military governor. He, of Virginia. Well, he was the governor of Virginia. Yeah, yeah. he's just like, yeah, man, no fight. Right, we're good. And then Alexander Hamilton's out there, like literally <laughs> fighting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And again, like you don't know the decisions that went into that, but it was just like he was. Here was this guy, which he's not the same person that's displayed in in the musical, by the way. Like Jefferson, like when I saw it. He's very well dressed. No, that wasn't he Jefferson. He was not that. That wasn't Jefferson. Yeah, he was kind of like a big personality. He was not. He was a, not that. No, he was not that. <laughs> so no. I understand why he did it. It's for entertainment purposes. But at the same time, I'm watching that going, nope. You didn't read the right book, bro. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I mean, I think, you know, Jefferson is, I like Jefferson because Jefferson is complex. Mm-hmm. Right? He's not straightforward. Here's this guy who is... Like, he believes in the idea of the American everyman, mm-hmm. right? His his big problem with Hamilton is that Hamilton's economic system, Jefferson understands, rightly, mm-hmm. is going to create winners and losers. Yeah. And it's going to create winners and losers largely by chance and by the use of passive income, right? Really? Yeah, be, yeah. because you're rewarding industrialization you're yeah. rewarding you know basically the beginning of capitalism yeah. right uh jefferson would not did not agree with the idea of the of america as an industrialized capitalist state he right. wanted it to remain a land of small farmers in economically independent all mm-hmm. pretty much equal 
where if you got ahead, it was because you did something. Yeah, by the sweat of your brow. Absolutely, yeah. right? Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But then there's the flip side, right? So that that's his policy, his rhetoric. This guy was, like, rumpled most of his life, and he didn't really like things that were fashionable. He didn't really like excess. He didn't really like luxury. Um, except that when he goes to France... Loves. He loves <laughs> that luxury, uh, he right? He loves him some ladies, too. He loves those ladies, <laughs> right? So, but that was while in France. That yeah. was not appropriate for the American character. That was not the way that Americans were supposed to act, and certainly not the way you were supposed to act in America. Right. Right, because there is a egalitarianism that luxury is the antithesis of that just you would not be able to to do in America, yeah. right? So this is a guy, he becomes president of the United States. You know, one of the, the, his very first action is to significantly shrink the size of the federal government. Yeah. Within a month of Jefferson becoming president, the federal government had a grand total of 125 non-military employees. That well, was it. Wasn't that like 400 just in the Treasury Department when Hamilton was a yeah, part of it? Yeah, absolutely. Jeez. Right? Because, Ham <laughs> well, but again, you know, think about that, right? If your focus is going to be on encouraging industrialization and the complexification of the American economy, mm -hmm. that's going to require a bureaucracy. Yeah. Right? The easiest way to stop that was to get rid of the people who were doing it, which right. is what Jefferson wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he got rid of all of those people, right? Yep. I mean, you know, he reduced the White House staff to one guy. I mean, it, it's, but this was, and in a lot of ways, it, what, because Jefferson, the private individual was very different person from Jefferson, the public individual. Yeah. And even though that meant Jefferson, the private individual didn't get what he wanted, upholding that idea of Jefferson, the public individual who was about simplicity mm -hmm. and that sort of traditional American ideology of pulling yourself up by your bootstrap and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Right. He, he basically executed that vision yeah. in, in public, but then you get to something like Louisiana purchase, mm -hmm. right? Which our, our constitution doesn't even really provide a way to negotiate that. Yeah. Right. I mean like, how, okay, what do you do? Do you, you write a bill in Congress? Right about a secret negotiation mm -hmm. like that doesn't really work yeah, right because it's not like this seems like the most simplistic idiotic thing to say at this point but this is not america today where that happens every minute right no yeah this is i mean he took to, and to me that was just one of those things that i when i sent you that text and was like you know that motherfucker contradicted himself oh yeah like, no but, he did but he was the ultimate you know they're you know France is going, you know, they're having a revolution. We're back in that. That's the best thing ever, mm -hmm. even though they're doing some pretty fucked up shit. Mm -hmm. um, but we're going to back them because they're taking down a monarch just like we mm -hmm. took down a monarch. Yep. We don't have a monarch. I just made a decision to spend a lot of money to buy yeah. this land. Um, but that's not a monarchy. That's I, I'm just old Uncle Thomas. But yeah. See, <laughs> but the thing is, in that particular moment, mm -hmm. and a lot of this probably has to do with the worry about the the Hamiltonian vision of America, mm -hmm. really. Jefferson thought that by buying the Louisiana Purchase, by buying the Louisiana Territory, that he could ensure that there was enough land for individual small-holding farmers mm -hmm. for, I can't remember what it was exactly, but it was something, he said something like 300 generations. Gotcha. I mean, he really thought that was like the thing that was going to seal the deal 
on America always being a place where a man could be economically free because he would have access to land. Okay. And that overtook all of his other concerns about the way that government should function. Yeah. Well, he made the right decision. Oh, yeah. No, no doubt. Definitely not arguing that he made a bad decision. That was obviously an, that's Mm -hmm. one of the best presidential decisions of all time. Right. Double the size of your, of your country with nothing. Right. The amount Absolutely. of money that it took to do was it thirteen point nine nine million or something like it was basically fourteen million. Yeah, yeah, it was a dollar an acre. That's yeah. what it worked out to be, yeah. which is insane. No, oh, yeah, that was insane then. It's kind of like right. what happened with Alaska in the beginning. Like, weren't they selling Alaska for like three cents an acre? Yeah, it was something insane. Of course, <laughs> most of it's useless. Like, yeah, but whatever, it's but fine. It's, but it's got oil, it's damn fine. it. Yeah, we didn't really know that, but that's cool. It worked out well. <laughs> But yeah, I mean that was that's always been just kind of that huh moment. It was just yeah. like, okay, and I mean every president does that in some way, shape, or form. But it was just one of those like, I get it, great decision, perfect, not exactly what you preached. Well, and I think that <laughs> that's one of the problems with Jefferson, you know. And there's other presidents that we could point to where that was the case, where their personal political philosophy has become so important to who they are. Yeah that and it has been built without the requirements of governing explain that so it's easy to have ideas when you're not faced with the choice between a and b Oh, okay gotcha right you know you can profess all you want that this is the way that we should do things Mm -hmm. and this is not and blah 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 but when you actually have to make a decision Mm -hmm. when you have to choose between shit decision a and shit decision b and neither really conform to your ideal because the world just doesn't conform to ideals, yeah. Especially when you're talking about government, mm-hmm. then you have you have a bunch of problems, right? Then then you get into situations where you are contradictory, contradicting yeah. yourself. And the people who have tried, who the people who have held on to their political philosophy against all else, mm-hmm. we always think of as bad presidents. Herbert Hoover did exactly what Herbert Hoover said he was going to do. And he has been remembered as a terrible president. Yeah. Be it, he didn't change. He didn't waver on his belief in how America should operate. Right. Jimmy Carter did exactly what Jimmy Carter <laughs> said he was going to do. Yeah. And everybody ended up hating it. Right. Right. At the end of the day, there has to be some degree of pragmatism. So you're saying you would have loved to see Ron Paul as president just to <laughs> see him deal with like really yeah, well yeah i mean in some way right like yeah, yeah he make, would have been my choice but at the make, same time like you're good, not gonna get all of that done good luck making that work yeah. right <laughs> and you know like uh paul ryan mm-hmm. is a good example of somebody who spoke a big game right and mm-hmm. then he got himself forced into some weird situations because yeah. of trump yep and he didn't come out the person he said he was right right yeah we could debate whether that was a good thing or a bad thing, but I think it's pretty undeniable he doesn't come out on the other end who he said he was going into it. Right. Lindsey Graham is in a similar situation right now, <laughs> right? Lindsey Graham, like, I don't I don't know if Trump has a video of him with a hooker I in Vegas know. or what's going on. Maybe in Pittsburgh. But maybe, maybe in <laughs> Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh might be more his style. Um, but he... You know, he's a good example of this, right? Yeah. Like somebody who has long professed certain things and now suddenly those things don't seem to matter very much. Yeah. Because he's being forced to to compromise some things about his worldview. Yeah. Right? And we can say that that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think a lot of times it just sort of depends on how that ends up playing out. Yeah. 
So when you look at the like the the founding fathers, who do you look to and just say like I would never want you to come back? Because <laughs> oh, like, I think like John Hancock. <laughs> I was wondering if you thought that about him. Yeah. yeah. What a miserable, <laughs> horrible human being. <laughs> when we went to Boston, they uh, like a huge part of that tour is about John Hancock. Mm-hmm. It's what Samuel Adams. Yeah. John Hancock yeah. and Paul Revere. That's pretty yeah. much the tour that we were talking about. Right. And I was like, I'd never really heard that much. I knew from the Washington book that he thought he was going to be the president of the Constitutional Convention. Yeah. I knew, and from um, just, I'm sure, everything in history, because it's one of the most famous stories about the Declaration of Independence. It's like, he wrote his signature so big that Mm -hmm. the king could put it on without his spectacles. But I'm listening to this, and I was like, that guy sounds like the most prickish, Uh, douchiest. Like, if you can put it into words, it's like, he is, he thinks he, like, his tombstone, have you seen it? No. It looks like a giant dick. Yeah, I'm sure it, it, it really does. Well, that's appropriate. Yeah, even like she kind of put us in an area where we couldn't see it. Yeah. And so she's like, you'll kind of know which one's John Hancock. <laughs> <laughs> we turn. It's like, it. oh, oh, my God. It's a gigantic penis. It really is. Yeah. To make up for his tiny penis. <laughs> yeah. In real life. yeah. You know, the founding fathers kind of break out into two groups. You have one group of people that are really inspired by philosophy mm-hmm. who is sort of you know, have this lock-in idea of the world and democracy and these things. And then you have the other half who are kind of like basically, you know, England's made it really difficult for me to continue with the shady, profitable business I've run for the last 10 years. Yep. And John Hancock is the leader of that crew of people. You know, <laughs> I don't think this is true, but I have often heard it said that Hancock said that the problem with the British was they made it so hard to steal. And because he had been working, you know, against this very insular economic system that the British required of their colonies. Yeah. Which, you know, is not real great for economic activity. You know, there's a lot of things we could say about it that are negative. But basically, his problem was that he wanted to be able to trade with who he wanted to be able to trade with. Yeah. And that's not the way that an empire works. Yeah. So you overthrow the empire. Like, okay, sure, dude. I mean, you know, <laughs> he didn't seem to have any sort of philosophical. I mean, it was like literally like, I need molasses. I'm going to get it from French colonies in the Caribbean. Yep. I'm going to send it to South Carolina where it's going to be made into rum. And that's what's going to make me keep me rich. Yeah. Well, and he was, he wasn't, it wasn't, it was family money, but it wasn't his mom and dad. It was like his uncle. Yeah. And yeah. his uncle and his aunt couldn't have kids. So he just. He basically have, inherited. Yeah. He yeah. was the one. Yep. He was the one sibling. Yeah. And he got all the wealth. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah. And he didn't even have to go through like Washington's thing where he had to see like 12 people die in his family for it to happen. Right. Right. It's like he just like a couple of people. He was good. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, that's <laughs> that's one of the, you know, one of the truly ironic things about the American Revolution. And, and this is really only true of the American Revolution is that the people who are in charge at the beginning are the people who are in charge at the end. Yeah. Yep, that that just doesn't happen, Mm-mm. right? So that that is part of what makes our revolution so sort of awkward, and why a lot of times we sort of balk at the idea of helping other countries that have a revolutionary sentiment, because we don't really do violent upy downy sort of revolutions, because yep. that's just not what we did here, right? 
the guys who were in charge just wanted to make sure they were in charge. Yeah. And so that's what they did. Yeah. Well, I mean, in Wash in that book on Washington, he talks about, you know, some of the letters that he sent to his like aides in Britain who he'd send like, okay, so I want this carriage to be made and sent over. Mm-hmm. I want these clothes to be made and sent over. And within five years, they had like doubled or tripled their prices and Washington didn't know how to not spend money. Right. Like it wasn't that he was like not he didn't make a ton because he just didn't have the greatest land in the world. Right. But he also spent more than anybody in America outside of probably John Hancock. Right. But he was sending them messages like this is bullshit. Basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, it costs what? Yeah. That company probably had a lot to do with us revolting against the British because they just kept charging him more and more money because they could. Yeah, well, we, you know, we have never done well as a country with economic reality. That's true of the founding fathers as (laughs) well, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting to me the different, like, I guess from the Revolutionary War to the Civil War to some of the, you know, more, I guess, modern wars that we've had. I don't want to call this a war. This is just an occupation, what we're going through right now. (laughs) I'm not really sure what it is at this point. (laughs) But... It's amazing to me that the Revolutionary War were the small fish against the big fish, mm-hmm. and the big fish just didn't seem like they... They just kind of gave up. Yeah. Like, eh, fuck it. We don't yeah. want to send all of our troops over there. No. But, and then in the Civil War, and we talked about this last time, but it was like, we just won, the North won because they had more people. Yeah, like, I mean, basically. Yeah. More like, people and more factories. Yeah. I need 30,000 more people and more guns. You can do that. Done. Cool. Yeah. Go over there and get shot, but make sure that you get further. <laughs> yeah. Try to take out one of theirs before you get taken out. Yeah, it's. I mean, and maybe this is, you know, this is probably a very American comment, but it, it is interesting to me that we have, throughout our history, like, from the Revolutionary War, and then you, oh, there's always, like, the footnote of 1812. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Revolutionary War happened, and then 1812. Eh, right. Eh, is what it is. But from the Revolutionary War, there's, like, this period of, near calm where nobody remembers those presidents Mm -hmm. i I mean james madison yeah Uh, who was the next one it was a monroe monroe kind of the last founding father historians literally call that the era of good feelings yeah because you just think it was awesome because it was it was everything was pretty tranquil some people still had slaves some didn't yeah right everything was cool everything was cool there was also one political party that helped oh the democrat the democratic republican party Yeah. yeah Did the, am I wrong? And the Whigs came later. Later, okay. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. it's such an old sounding name that it's like Democratic mm. Republican. Like everybody was getting along. For right. a bit. Yeah. Well, it yeah. Was Twenty. It was a quarter of a century. Yeah. Twenty five years of yeah. one party rule. That yeah. never happens in America. No. That's it's a. Uh, it is an interesting, an interesting thing. How do you, how do we end up going with, John Quincy Adams at the end of, Monroe? Oh well. Yeah. Because the Adamses are kind of known as like, yeah, they're kind of weird. We want you for four years and then get the fuck they're out. They're difficult too. Yeah, they're like, yeah, they're a lot to take. I think. Uh, you know, John Quincy Adams had been Secretary of State mm-hmm. for Monroe. He actually wrote the Monroe Doctrine. That's his. Oh, idea. really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, he's, I like that doctrine. He's like a pretty, you know, he is an intellectual heavyweight. Yeah. But that campaign that happens in 1824, the first one between him and Jackson, is probably the most knocked down, drag out fight in all of American history. Is that what they called Jackson's yeah. wife, like a whore. Jackson's wife was a prostitute. Yeah. They accused JQA of being a kid diddler. I mean, there's oh, like, God. it's. I mean, it gets ugly. You, yeah. you know, we we don't even really know what ugly looks like. Even even the ugliness Trump has introduced to our political rhetoric 
is like nothing compared to what happened in 1824 and 1828 during the rematch. So, but you know, he, Quincy Adams doesn't actually win that election. I don't know. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, so he, so Jackson wins the most of the popular vote. Jackson also wins the most of the, uh, of the electoral college, but he doesn't win enough to win. Oh, so, so this is like one of those weird things. That, so neither one of them was actually supposed to win the presidency that year. They mm-hmm. ran for president, but everybody knew that this guy named John Crawford was going to win. John Crawford, I think he was a senator from Virginia. Mm-hmm. He was very, very well liked um, by everybody. Very well respected. He'd been a statesman for a long time. You know, really like well thought of by everybody. Yeah. He was sort of a consensus candidate. A few months before the election happens, he has a stroke, and it doesn't kill him, but it leaves him pretty jacked up. So he still wins, like, a quarter of the vote, right? Oh, um, And then there's a couple other smaller candidates who are running around, but basically it's a three-way split between Jackson, Adams, and Crawford. Uh, Jackson wins the most of the popular vote. Jackson wins the most of the... Of the uh, Electoral College. The guy who comes in fourth, though, is a guy named Henry Clay. And Henry Clay was sort of an interesting character. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the Speaker of the House of Representatives at that time, who now, because there is no majority within the Electoral College, has to pick who will be President of the United States. Henry Clay was undeniably popular among the members of Congress. Um, and he would have been the person that they picked However, they were restricted to only pick among the top three candidates, and he oh, came in fourth. <laughs> so, he ma- so he makes a deal with Adams. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, this is not, you can't prove this, right? But, but it's you know. pretty well known. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah, he made a deal. And so Adams becomes president <laughs> of the United States. The stepping stone to being president at this point was not to be vice president. It was to be secretary of state. So Henry Clay becomes secretary of state. And that's what, uh, that's what pretty much guarantees that Jackson's going to win the next election because everybody in America knows that something is up. Yeah. Uh, and people are pissed off about it. Well, yeah. Right. So, so in the next election, Jackson just absolutely stomps Adams into the ground. Yeah. And there you go. And Andrew Jackson is always a very popular person to both, like, revere and have and absolute hate. hatred for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I watched a documentary on him, and it was very interesting because he was kind of no like what like something like the old oak or something like that. Old hickory, old hickory. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Different tree. It's okay. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Old oak is what he called that. <laughs> 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 but but yeah, I was reading about him or watching this documentary about him, and they pretty much said like he was just a knockdown, drag out guy, but he was kind of emotional. Yeah, yeah. He was very like, you know, I'm tough as nails and I'll you and know, do anything I can and then I'll just be the biggest baby in the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's absolutely – yeah, he's kind of a mess of a yeah. human being basically, in a lot of ways. Basically took out the Bank of the United States because he was, like, angry at something they said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, more or less. <laughs> yeah. Although although he, you know, until we get deeper into American history, there is still within the Democratic Party this idea that Jackson or that Jeffersonian idea 
of that independent homesteader, right? And mm-hmm. that's very much what Jackson believed in. Gotcha. And so the Second Bank of the United States oh, second. Okay. is pulled from that Hamiltonian vision of America. Mm-hmm. And so that's just not going to fly with him. Gotcha. And so, yeah, he really saw it as as picking economic winners and losers, like yeah. a lot of people do with the Hamiltonian vision of America. Yeah. And, and he didn't like that. But to go back, there is an interesting story. He has an interesting connection with Missouri, mm-hmm. which is that um, at the time uh, that he is the senator from Tennessee, the a young congressman from Missouri uh, is... Um, See, I'm like screwing up left and right here today. I can't can't remember anything. It's all good. Uh, The painter, but not the painter, his grandfather, the famous Kansas City painter whose name is... Not going to get it from me. Oh, my God. (laughs) You're killing me, dude. You're killing me. Look it up on your phone. I'm I'm going (laughs) to Google this really quick. It's all good. But anyway, so this guy whose name I will remember here in a moment. <laughs> um, he is a young congressman from Kansas or from Missouri, and he gets into a bar fight with some other people. <laughs> <laughs> and he one of the people in the fight is Jackson. Oh. And smart. He shoots Jackson in the elbow. Yeah. And the, the <laughs> bullet gets stuck in his elbow. And Jackson would apparently play with it um, from time to time as he was president, like in meetings. Mm-hmm. He would like run this thing. Um, and then Jackson, in response to getting shot, because he was on top of him, yeah, shoots him in a elbow. Jackson stabs him several times in the lungs. He ends up Thomas Hart Benton. Tom, uh, Thomas yeah. Hart Benton. Okay. The grandfather. Yep. Not the painter. Uh, so he stabs him a couple times in the chest. And Thomas Hart Benton, the rest of his life, would have breathing problems as a result of this bar fight. They ended up becoming close friends. <laughs> weird. This is why, like, our our sex is weird. Oh, yeah. No, totally. to be friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, that's probably the primary outcome if you don't kill each other. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like you get bullied in school, and then you get in a fight. Like once you're older and you're just like, okay, we hashed it out. It's fine. It's yeah. No, it's totally cool. Yeah. yeah. We, we resolved it. We punched each other into oblivion <laughs> yeah, and now we're good. Cause so. we're morons. That's right. I shot you. You stabbed me in the chest. Yeah, I have breathing problems. You play with the bullet. You <laughs> know, it's all good. Life is great. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, it was interesting. Like in the 2016 election, there were so many things that you hear. And I think you probably hear these often, mm-hmm. but. It was just so apparent in this last election because, I mean, mainly because you had Trump and you have super PACs and you can just say Mm -hmm. whatever you want. But I was always amazed when people would say that, like, Trump's war on the press is the worst in American history. It's Mm -hmm. like, have you met John Adams? Yeah, no. Have, you know, this is the, you know, most, this election's the worst dogfight we've ever seen. It's like, I remember Andrew Jackson would, he might have something to say about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was just interesting, like, you... They always say like this election is the most important in American history. It's like one might maybe kind probably of depends not. on what happens yeah. in four years. So we'll have to see. So far, it hasn't really been all that important. Not at all, but it's it's just a very interesting thing to me that we always are like, what's going on in my life is the worst. Right, right. So, yeah, the, this election was interesting because I mean, you know, certainly I think Donald Trump getting elected is 
was not good for our nation. Mm-hmm. But we're going to we're going to survive. Yeah. This isn't the worst. No. Dumber people have held the office. <laughs> More racist people have held the office without question. <laughs> without question, <laughs> right? You know. Yeah. Um it is different in that media is different. So now we know every dumb shit thing that he does. Yeah. Which with past presidents, you could like their dumb shit stuff would often just kind of go unnoticed. Right. Unless it's like Bay of Pigs and you're like, right, right, right. Yeah. That That was not smart. Right. But that's, (laughs) you know, so, so there's, uh, yeah, in a lot of ways we're just sort of overreacting to Trump and actually probably the best thing we could do to Trump would be to start (gasps) ignoring him. Yeah. Because he feeds off of the attention negative and positive. I feel like if you ignored him though, things might start (laughs) getting real crazy. Well, yeah, I don't know because he's going to demand that attention, yeah, from you, you know. But, but sometimes, you know, there are two things that I will give Trump. Uh, one is negative, one is positive. I'll start with the positive <laughs> thing because I think it's the only positive thing that I can say about the man. Unlike every other president of the United States, this man really second guesses the idea of killing people. Yeah. Um, he does not take that lightly, which is weird because I kind of thought that he'd be the kind of person who would revel in that. Right. But he really seems to have a problem with that possibility. Yep. Um, he, you know, he talks a big game, but the things he does don't reflect it. Don't reflect that at all. Yeah. Which is kind of refreshing in some ways. Right. Um, but you know, I like a person who will kill some people to protect my ability to consume. So I don't know that I agree, but but it is interesting to me that as big a prick as he is, he really, really does not want to take a life. Yeah. Um. So, it, well, unless it's like children in cages. I mean, that's different. But it's weird. That's like 18 steps removed from him. You know, I think things yeah. that directly he's would be responsible for. I think that's when he he sort of really second guesses it and mulls it over. Yeah. The that's, kids in cages thing is a very strange thing. That's super weird to and me. I, that's, and I tell Nikki this. It's like, I need to, I really need to research that more. Like, I should. It's not going to do the world sure. any good if I do outside of just the general knowledge that I knew more about mm-hmm. something. But I, it's obviously awful. Nobody's doubting that. No, there's, yeah. no, there's no positive spin you can put on it. It's a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. But it was one of those things where I was just looking at it and I'm going, how like everybody's saying he's racist he's horrible he's this he's that it's like i really do want to know how far away that is from his desk like is that something that he was like no i'm sure it's way 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 far i'm sure there was somebody you know way on down the line who just yeah throw some kids in warehouses was put in this shitty situation and not knowing what to do with kids yeah and then made that decision yeah. you know i have kids and i have 12 dollars to figure out what to do right which yeah. doesn't mean it's okay and doesn't mean exactly. that trump isn't ultimately responsible for it yeah. but Buck stops here i have you know for me i have it every time i see that on tv i think in the back of my mind i just say well we wouldn't really do that so this must not be true right even though i can clearly see, you know there's chuck Joe's schumer it. looking at it so yeah. it's true you know <laughs> but you know so i think <laughs> in my mind i'm just sort of default but so the first positive thing I could say is he doesn't want to kill people, right? The yep. other thing that I will say about him that is a negative is 
that he but it, it's something he does very well but it is negative is that he i think understands what he's doing enough to understand how to use his craziness to get him out of trouble mm. so you know it is really really interesting to me that he goes and picks a fight with four pretty backbench members of Congress who we wouldn't pay any attention to at all, except one of them's hot. And AOC, just clarify. Yeah, AOC. Oh, you want to or not bad either. But, <laughs> but you know, the he goes and picks a fight with these pretty inconsequential members of Congress mm -hmm. in the same week that the discussion is about, like, well, what did he know about his friend who is a raging pedophile? Yeah. Right now, we're not talking about him, fr his friend, and his raging pedophile. Nope. We're talking about four backbench members of Congress who really don't matter. Yep. And you know, so it is pretty masterful the way that he is able to capture the narrative. Yeah. And even though what the way he captures it is largely negative in the eyes of most Americans, he does it in a way that's positive in his base. Yeah. So, like, he is in that interesting, precarious situation where I suspect he'll probably lose the next presidential election. All depends on what the Democrats Well, I mean, it does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody steals victory from the, or steals <laughs> defeat from the jaws of victory, quite like the Democratic <laughs> Party. But, you know, he'll probably lose. And, but among the people who actually vote for him, he will have, like, a 100% approval rating. Yep. And that just doesn't happen that's mm. weird right so so it is, we've gotten into this, this sort of weird space but a lot of it is because he is so competent at changing the narrative to what he wants it to be yeah. even if that new something is largely viewed as negative yeah well he's and i bring this example up because there there have been times where he'll he'll nail it and not not in a way that you might agree with but he'll absolutely do something that it's like, and going to put that on my record because I can say I just destroyed it. Mm -hmm. But I think I talked about this last time when you were here or at the other house. But the um, his with, with um, what was it the representatives of NATO when he was just calling them out? Oh, yeah. Right. It's like and all of a sudden you have got, you know, even though Angela, Angela Merkel went back to Germany and was like, that dude is crazy. Oh, yeah. At the they time. They check. Yeah. Oh, heck, yeah. yeah. They started. They started, you know, yeah. increasing their military budget. So it's, you know, he didn't. But the thing was, he like, he didn't understand it, at least he the, didn't what he was saying. Yeah, he didn't understand it at all. But they did. I mean, they basically said, like, yeah, within five years, we'll be there. Yeah. Yes, within here, we'll yeah. do that. So it was just very, like, he uses that thing, that, you know, his bully pulpit and Twitter mm -hmm. to kind of affect a weird amount of change. And, like, what was the, there was another one I was thinking of that he, oh, and then the, um, the whole thing with Mexico where he just went, we're going to charge you a tariff unless you fix this. Yeah, right. And I, you know that it's because we have a bigger hammer than them. Right. They're like, what are we going to do? Like, right. we're going to either get worse or we're just going to deal with this problem. Right. So, like, he tried to do it with China, and that's not working <laughs> because <laughs> no. they don't care. They don't care. But with Mexico, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. just, you know go to war with our biggest trading partner that provides us everything. Right. Fantastic. Yeah, I think we'll just bend to this. Yeah, absolutely. But so, again, whether you agree, but disagree, whatever, it's just strange that it's like, so, you know he's just like, remember when I did that? Yeah. yeah. I think it's one of those, every once in a while, even a blind squirrel gets nuts sort of things. <laughs> you know, like every once in a while he bumbles onto something that's actually legit. Yeah. 
the NATO one is like the greatest. I mean, like every president of the United States has struggled with that since Kennedy, right? Yeah, but he, got he on finally Twitter. was like, <laughs> "I'm gonna just bumble some stuff and you know not be incoherent, but talk about this nonstop until you do something about it." Yeah. So yeah, so there are some places where it's definitely worked out, but I mean, yeah. but I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's not a part of any sort of larger policy strategy. Yeah. So it's difficult to sort of point to his ability to even be successful in a consistent way because yeah. it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, Japan and Russia are not calling him to negotiate a treaty. Like no, <laughs> you, you know, and it, it's kind of like the whole, it's the thing with China, for example, right? Like, you know, there's a reason why no American president in the last 20 years has taken this on. Mm -hmm. They fund our national debt. Right. Do you want them to keep funding our national debt? Yes, you do, because you don't actually want to make those difficult policy decisions about what you're not going to spend money on. Yeah. So you need them, mm -hmm. and you're just going to kind of ignore some of the stuff that they do. Yeah. I mean, and that's sort of the danger with, with playing this game with China is that, you know, you can push them a little bit, but eventually, if you push too hard, they're just going to stop buying treasury bonds, mm -hmm. and then we've got some real problems. Yeah. Well, they... I... I think it might have been watching John Oliver, but they were he was talking about one of the um, one of the individuals in the State Department was making a comment regarding China and how they're talking to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And he basically said the United States, when they go to like a G8 or a G20, they're bringing 18 people. Mm -hmm. China's bringing hundreds mm -hmm. like. 200 people to have every meeting possible to mm -hmm. talk about ports to talk about trade yeah and we're bringing 18 yeah that's probably a bad thing well, <laughs> china unlike us at the moment and they, they have a lot of things that play into their their hands on this yeah they have a very clear vision for the world yeah and their role in the world yeah what's that plan called the uh, belt and something system, belt yep. and roads. I don't remember. Yeah, but you know they have an idea. Oh yeah, and they're executing their idea. And they've got the money for the idea. And they got the money <laughs> for the idea, right? And people are interested in the idea. Mm -hmm. And we don't really have an idea, no. right? Be and part of that is that China is in a place that we aren't anymore. Where China is willing to, oh yeah, we'll build ports in Africa, no problem. We'll invest that money because mm -hmm. we know we'll be our ships that are flowing in there. We'll control the majority of the economic activity, no problem. Where, you know, in America, you wanted to have a conversation about building a port in Africa, and people are going to freak out about spending money, you know, what we shouldn't be spending money outside of America. Like, yeah. well, this oh, is, we are. You got to spend <laughs> money to make money. Yeah. Right? And so, yeah. So, so China is able to have conversations at this point that we're not. Yeah. Well, and that, I mean, not that I agree with it at all, but like that probably does help that they have that nice cohesive unit and Xi Jinping is oh, putting absolutely. everybody in prison that he possibly can. Absolutely. Yeah. But he looks like Winnie the Pooh, so it's cool. Exactly. <laughs> Plus, he lived for a year Don't in Iowa. Don't get me bombed, bro. <laughs> Don't get me shot. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it. I don't want to go to jail. I can never go to Beijing now. Let's see. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry I screwed that up for you. I was planning on it next summer. It's number... I think 4,000 on my list of places. I oh, yeah. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Great. Yeah. It's definitely top on the places I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. There's one other question. I keep thinking about it and then I lose it. Um, 
correct me on this because I've always heard that it was uh, – <laughs> I saw an article this week and it just made me laugh. Uh, I have always heard that I think it was Benjamin Harrison was our first gay president. Is that correct? Oh. I, and I feel like I'm wrong on that. Like somebody yeah, else. Yeah, it, it would have been uh, – well, you know. These I mean, things, it's all rumors. These but things are all rumors, yeah. right? Uh, <laughs> so before Harrison – a little bit before Harrison was Buchanan. Mm. Buchanan was probably gay. Yep. Yeah. It's just interesting historical facts. Yeah. Theories. It's muddied. <laughs> it's muddied. Yeah. You know, there's some historians who have thought maybe Roosevelt was gay. Teddy. Teddy. Yeah. Maybe Teddy was gay. Maybe that's what was this expression of masculinity was about, right? Yeah. So that, that could have been a possibility. Well, there's uh, the whole, like... Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln sleeping in beds with dudes. <laughs> which was not uncommon at the time. But he seemed to miss it a little bit more than yeah. you might because <laughs> you know. Well it was it was interesting. Um like that it that must have been a weird like conversation that the first person who thought of that had because it's like, well, Mary Todd was a little crazy. Right. Maybe he was just like that's fine. This seems less crazy. This seems less crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think if if I'm not right on this, tell me. But Mary Todd was a little touched, wasn't she? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. She had. She was probably bipolar. Oh okay. At, at the least. Gotcha. Yeah. If not having some other things going on. Yeah. Yeah. So fun fact: Sally Field, and um, oh, who's the guy that played him? My now my brain's not working. The actor that played uh, Abraham Lincoln. Oh, in the last movie about Lincoln? <laughs> He's the guy from Last of the Mohicans. Yeah. Why can I not remember that guy's name? Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis. There you go. Just can't remember. So here's a fun fact. Daniel Day-Lewis and Sally Field are both method actors. Right. Can you imagine how depressing that set must have been? Must have been very depressing. Like I sort of imagine that Daniel Day-Lewis walks around in a like cloud of depression. And it <laughs> impacts everybody who ever comes into contact with him. Yeah. Except for when he was doing Gangs of New York, because the Bill the Butcher was definitely not depressed. No, Bill the Butcher was he was having a good time. Yeah, he was yeah. having a very good time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He uh, <laughs> remember a few years ago I heard an interview and they were like, yeah, Daniel Day Lewis is in Paris right now learning to be a cobbler. So pretty sure his next movie is going to be somebody in the fashion industry. And sure shit, like three yeah, years later. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I can't imagine, man. That'd be. Walking around on set, acting like Mary Todd Lincoln or Abraham Lincoln, that would be so exhausting. I just want to, I want to punch him in the face. Yeah, like, I'm not trying to be mean. I would want to punch. Yeah, both no, of absolutely. them in the face. That would just be a little much. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I think we need to go back to the 1920s where everybody was just doing the same version of over the top acting. Do you think the 1920s and 80s really had that? Do you think they had more in common? than we like to give credit for because when you just said that my immediate thought was they were doing a lot it's like they were boozing it up going crazy and then in yeah. the 80s it was just pure cocaine yeah i mean it was uh, in and a lot of ways it pretty was, good times it was similar i mean yeah. you know one of the interesting things about the modern human is we seem to react to the same economic conditions in the same ways over and over and over again yeah. so yeah there there's a lot to compare it to but you know actually you might compare it more to um you're gonna tell yeah. me like the 1680s were pretty fun no that was, yeah, was a lip yeah. party the, 1620s, <laughs> the tulip depression uh, oh, Jesus that, was, that was a thing by the way oh my god um the 
you know maybe maybe more like the 1880s because it's kind of like the 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 beginning of a new gilded age right is the eight is the 1980s well that was i mean that we're still sort of in Mm -hmm. right like we haven't really quite figured out what we're doing with our economy that's blowing up and developing quicker than we can figure out what to do with it yeah um We've got a lot of social problems and not a lot of will to fix the social problems mm-hmm. or even ideas on how to fix the social problems. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of there, there's a lot that can be compared to there. Yeah. Well, when you've got Rockefeller basically running the entire world show in any generation, you're going to have a great time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's automatically going to be awesome. Have you read Titan? Or anything on him? A little bit, but not. I haven't read Titan, but I've read some stuff about him. Yeah, Trino, I guess, wasn't even going to take that book. He basically was just like, ah, no, no. He's like, he's a terrible he's human. Boring. There's no way. And he really was like, he was a very interesting dude. But what I realized reading that book was, he had a great idea, built a business, and then like he wasn't the terrible person that history has kind of made him out to be. He was just kind of like. If you want to do that, cool. Yeah. But, I mean, he hired some pretty terrible people. He hired some very terrible yeah. people, yeah, yeah, to be terrible for him. But, yeah, he, he was a he was, he was a Southern Baptist. He can't be that's, terrible. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're talking about people getting together in large groups and making decisions, I was like, evangelicals are good at that. Yeah. Um, but, no, I reading that book, it was just really strange to listen to it because he was just – constantly moving that was oh like, yeah that was what yeah. he did but he just seemed like a really boring person that created the one of the largest companies the world's ever seen well, it's like henry For- henry ford is yeah. like the same where it's like constant movement but kind of boring he did not like the jews and terrible yeah but a lot of times it was him hiring people to be terrible on his yeah. behalf he was only terrible to jews directly <laughs> no, <laughs> you can't do that he would hire people to handle the other terribleness yeah you know but <laughs> it's pretty interesting. Awesome. Well, I know you got to head out, man. Yeah, I've got to get to my sick dog. <laughs> well, thanks for coming back on. I pretty much any time you're just like, ah, I've got some time. I want to go drink beer. Sure. Please come yeah. over. Yeah, awesome. I like the free beer. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks, man. Yep.